everyone out there in podcast land. It's this Rod Louie here along with my partner and confidant, Keith Moreau. Keith, how are you? I'm good, Rod. Thanks. Fantastic. In today's episode of Tech Move, we're going to be going through some things about travels and the equipment we take on our travels. We've got a couple other things talking about the NAB highlights for this year. We also have fantastic news about our contest winner, our first one here at Tech Move. And we are going to be announcing that lucky son of a gun in just a little bit. And we'll be doing all of that here on Tech Move. You know, it's just like riding a bike. It's just like seeing an old friend, and that is recording this podcast called Tech Move. It is great to be back. You know, uh, I am Rod Louie, and with me, my esteemed colleague, Keith Moreau. Keith, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks, Rod. I'm, I'm actually a little exhausted from editing three one-to-one-and-a-half-hour tech moves over the, over the last few days. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, I know our listeners are going to appreciate it considering that we have been on hiatus for what has to be at least like a season, frankly. Uh, I know it's been a while. Yeah, you I know, know. It's I've like a TV busy. show where we, you know, we, we take time off. We have time with our family. Right. We rest up because tech move, producing tech move is exhausting. It is exhausting. It, I, I'm, I, you know, my jaw hurts. I need to put it in a <laughs> sling. Uh, it's exhausting, but, uh, you know, hey, uh, folks, we are back and we're going to be uh, doing our best to put out uh, more episodes on a more regular basis. We know all of you are clamoring for new episodes of Tech Move, and so we want to give the listeners what they're looking for. And Tech Move is the podcast all about digital filmmaking, gear, Mac computers, and iOS devices from a unique perspective and you know not only are you kind enough to subscribe to us through iTunes and the like but you can also find us on our website which is www.techmovepodcast.com there's also a few other ways you can reach us right Keith there are a few other ways uh the the website is great to look at the show notes and get a summary of what we talked about um we also have a a, a nice community on our Facebook page. Um, it's Facebook slash Tech Move Podcast. And right. You'll get you'll get there, and you can like us. You can track uh, some of the news in our podcasts, and also get a summary of the events. It's also one of the ways that we um, award prizes uh, by posting to Facebook. So you can find out about our current contests and maybe win new prizes there too. Well, it's also a great way of uh, being able to interact with uh, you guys out there in listener land and uh, and us, you know, since uh, we have no way of really talking back with you right now, that's a great way to reach us. So please feel free to write any comments, questions. And we only take compliments. So n nothing <laughs> negative. We only take compliments. So. Yeah, nothing negative. But, no, no, no. But there's, those, I don't think you, right in the garbage can. Yeah. Besides, I don't think that's even possible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is great to be back, Keith. Thank you very much for accommodating my schedule and for You're us welcome. to uh, kind of get this uh, ball rolling again. You're welcome, Rod. So many fantastic things have happened since we last recorded, and we'd be remiss if we just glazed over what happened today. 
And that was the WWDC, the World Developers Conference uh, for 2013, uh, the newest uh, Apple developers thing that happened, I think, here in San Francisco. Yep, it's always held in San Francisco in Moscone Center. I've actually been there several times. Um, now you have to essentially win a lottery to get in, though. They have 5,000 available seats tickets. Right. And this year, I think they sold out in 37 seconds. That was one of the uh, like uh, slide points that they had up there on the screen, I think. Uh, oh, was it in the keynote today? Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> they were bragging <laughs> about that and stuff like that. It was great. It's bragging, but the problem is that it it is kind of like a lottery. I yeah. mean, how, there's they open sales like at one point in time, I think it's, you know, 4 a.m. or something. And that's it. You yeah. have to be on your computer and be lucky enough to hit submit right at the right point. Right. So so I know a lot of developers that were up early and, and didn't get in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think they had something, you know, they probably have about 200,000 people trying for five 5,000 seats. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. There's a lot oh, of Apple I, developers. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, and some of those numbers that, the, uh, that Tim Cook was throwing around, the app store is growing and you know the the usage and everyone who's who's on there i, I mean it, it it's a big business big business yeah it's bit well apple is one of the world's largest companies right yep. now absolutely it's, it's kind of amazing how how much they've progressed in the last decade yeah well but uh anyway so so one of the reasons that this day is so important is that i actually had a little bit of advanced news and a lot of people did that apple was going to come out with a new they were going to announce a new Mac Pro at this WWDC. And well, and, and and you know what, Keith? As far as you know, our listeners are familiar with, we've we've been talking about that over the last uh, oh some some maybe episodes uh, before, maybe earlier on about you how you had been eagerly awaiting this day. Yeah, I thought it was actually going to happen a year ago at this time, yep. <laughs> and it didn't happen. Right. So I think Tim Cook wrote a very a, a very uh, mysterious email that says, "Just wait, it'll be great," something like that, but well, with I, no I, no actual details. Yeah, and I remember the 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 I, what was it the upgrade before that where I think all they did was just give you an extra USB port on uh, on the back <laughs> of a, a, a of a tower. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a lot of time to speculate. Right. Uh, there's a lot of pros out there that really wanted a new Mac, and the last Macs were really refreshed about three years ago. Um, I wound up, as you find out if you listen to episode uh, seven, um, I wound up actually buying a refurbished 12-core uh, Mac Pro, which is one of the fastest Mac Pros you can buy now. And I'm pretty happy with it. I'm using it right now to actually record this podcast. Um, but uh, But we really want the fastest, most modern technology we can get. And it almost seemed like they may, maybe they were going to discontinue it. Um, but there was some advanced information that possibly they were going to announce something this show. And, well, they actually did. They and, actually it, and, and, and it was quite a uh, – it, it did go center stage, and it did have a great highlight and everything like that. It had a great uh, video montage to go with it. It was quite exciting. It was. I, I was actually – I wasn't necessarily pleased with what they, with the design of the unit. I, I have I have to reserve my judgment on it. I'm happy though that they actually did come out with something, and that they spent a lot of airtime on it. I mean, they spent a good ten minutes on talking about the Mac Pro. Yep, and that's a pretty long period of time for any subject. Um, I mean, it, 
there were there were other things that were making Apple a lot more money at that show, like iOS and and MacBook Airs and and iPhones and things like that. And they they still they still seem to be able to give a nod to the probably pretty small number of customers, relative small number of customers that still want a Mac Pro. And I actually appreciate that. That was that was actually pretty heartening. I I actually thought that they did a very nice job of really uh, uh, targeting the people who have been clamoring for this Mac Pro. You know, they they actually went out there and they said, you know, you know, photographers, videographers, music, uh, you know, a lot of creation type of stuff. And uh, I I thought they did a real nice job of you know really speaking to you guys. Yeah. I think they did, and uh, they produced a nice video, which I think you can you could probably watch it on the website. They have a pretty nice um, several pages highlighting the Mac Pro on the Apple site. And so, uh, Keith, you know, uh, everyone's waiting to hear: Did the Mac Pro this new this new version that's going to be coming out? And I think it's going to be coming out what towards the end of two thousand and thirteen. Uh, did it meet your expectations? Is this what you have been waiting for? Well, um, well, I actually already have a uh, a wastebasket in my bathroom, so <laughs> right, exactly. I don't really need another one. But no, just kidding. I mean, if anybody's seen the the new Mac Pro, it's basically a, a small cylinder, which is. I'm, as we all as we all know, it's the ideal shape for a computer. I'm going to date myself a little bit, but back in the car stereo days, there was a fantastic subwoofer called the bazooka. <laughs> and this looks like a bazooka. So anyway, but uh go on. Looks like a yeah, so so it's looks like R2 T R two D two a little bit though. It does. It looks yeah. like it looks like a, like a cylinder. It looks like a yeah, can. Right? And it's not really that big. Yeah. yeah. Um I think it's maybe less than a foot in diameter and less than a, maybe a, a foot or so high. Yeah. Uh, it's probably even less, it's probably less than a, way less than a foot in diameter. Yeah. But, uh, and it just has a kind of a circular indentation on top where I guess you can grab it because everybody, you know, grabs their Mac pro and travels with it. (laughs) But, uh, forget about those Mac minis. We want, (laughs) we want the Mac pro to travel. It looks like a very, expensive European designed air filter. Yeah. You know, that you'd have in your office or something. It does. But, uh, and which probably is a lot of the functionality. I mean, it's sucking in a lot of air, so kind of makes sense. Um, and there's no features really on it. Uh, the back has a lot of ports, although I, in looking at the ports, it doesn't, they've left out some ports, which I could probably still use. Um, they have, I think they have six Thunderbolt ports on the back. That is correct. I'm looking at the picture right now. Yeah. And uh, they have four USB ports. I, as far as I know, there's basically no expansion inside it. Like, you can't put PCI cards into it, even though it's probably still PCI-based. Um, all the expansion is going to happen through external boxes. Right. I'm, I'm looking at the back right now. So there's there's not a whole lot of ports. It's got quite a few fewer uh, ports than the previous Mac Pro. There's an audio in and out. There's four USB, there's six Thunderbolt, and there's two Ethernet. And there is one HDMI uh, port as well, which I, I guess is for uh, like a TV-type monitor. And then there's a power outlet. And that seems like that's it, 
unless they're covering up some other port somewhere. No, I think that's it. I, th- 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 that was the whole feature of the thing was that everything was just going to be in the quote unquote back of this yeah. and, uh, and nowhere else. Right. So uh, I think we actually talked about this in one of the, the PC episodes where I was thinking of going to a PC and we talked a little bit about what we speculated the new, the new Mac pro to be. And I think I said, well, I think it's just, it might just be a Mac Mini with extra Thunderbolt, right? And I was right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Mac. It's a instead of a square Mac Mini, it's a circular Mac Mini, a cylindrical Mac Mini with extra Thunderbolt. That that's basically what it is. That is that what you really feel this thing is? It is because it's got you know a ton of power inside. It's got a couple very high end graphics processors. You're stuck with those. You know, you you can't put in some other brand if even if you want to. Right. Um, I mean, I might be wrong about that. There might be some way of doing that, but it, at least at first glance, they've made a big thing about ch- telling people how amazing the uh, the G- GPUs are in there, the graphics processors, and that's it. Um, there's the only expandability really is just adding more RAM and possibly adding some proprietary SSD drives to it, which it's not going to take the the standard style of SSD drives. It's going to take some type of proprietary Apple PCI-based SSD drive, which is good in a way because it's probably a lot faster than a eSATA-type SSD drive. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, if you buy it from Apple, you're going to wind up spending probably two to three times as much as a, as a third-party drive. So there'll probably be some third-party drives that come out um, that are compatible with it. But at the same time, these, this type of, of SSD is going to be just for this Mac Pro, so it's not going to be a huge market. So I don't know if there's going to be a lot of incentive for manufacturers to, to produce these in volume, and therefore the price is still going to be probably pretty high. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, if you want something that's really self-contained, that's super powerful, and you don't need any extra PCI uh, cards um, or Firewire drives or anything that you used to use before, in your old pro system, then if the price is right, you know, it's going to be the fastest Mac you can get. But if you do have other needs, you know, like extra processors, extra boxes, extra cards, well, you're going to have to do all that externally. And you're going to have to have Thunderbolt cables running from the uh, Mac Pro, the new Mac Pro, to some box that breaks out the Thunderbolt into PCI slots or a box that does some video conversion, if that's what you need to do. Um, so I kind of see it as a really neat package that will work really great for if, if you don't need anything else. But when you want to expand it, it's going to be a little bit messy. Yeah. So um, at the same time, it's pretty cool. And it's probably pretty small and fairly easy to transport. And it's probably super fast. It looks like they're going to be using the very latest Xeon processors, and uh, it's going to have really fast Thunderbolt. They're actually going for a Thunderbolt 2 interface, which is twice as fast as the current Thunderbolt interfaces. Right. And and it's got six of them. So maybe that is the future. Maybe putting stuff inside your computer isn't isn't practical anymore. Um, you know, how many people buy a Mac Pro and don't fill it up with stuff? You know, not everybody fills every single slot up with, with cards. Not everybody fills every drive bay up with drives. So maybe they're just 
looking at the actual use cases of 90% of the people out there and saying, you know, people don't really, they buy these Mac Pros, but they just don't do much with them after that. Well, maybe they're catering to those people. And then the 10% of people that load stuff up in there, they're going to have to get expansion boxes. Yeah. You, you know, I, as I look at the, uh, you know, the open ports uh, in the back of the Mac Pro, you know, if you load that thing up to capacity with all these cables out there, oh my gosh, it is just going to look like the ugliest hub in the whole wide world. Yeah, it's going to basically look like the back of my Mac Pro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean, there, I mean, you could just, you know, the the sleekness of the unit itself is great as long as you don't plug it in. Yeah, you know, but once yeah. you start plugging, you know, four different things in there, it's going to look like a it's going to look like a mannequin head with a weird wig. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like, you know, sometimes when you get those really small but professional digital SLRs and then you have that giant hawking lens right on yes. the front. Yes. And it's just the the camera itself is kind of insignificant. Right. I have a feeling that's going to be the way that this Mac Pro looks <laughs> when it's all connected. You're going to have this teeny little brain and then all this gigantic, messy, ugly stuff connected to it. You, you know, coming from from the old PC world uh, like I did, you know, I'm I'm a little bit sad to to see how this is kind of going. I understand that, you know, it's great because it's sleek and it's you know, it's kind of what Apple's been doing all along with their iMacs and, you know, everything's small. You really can't, you know, it's not easy to open up to to change things in and out. Uh, whereas the PCs, you know, that's really what they were for, right? You could just add and and things to to uh, uh, to your computer, you know, just given with how many slots you had in it. Right. Uh, this one, no such thing. No such thing. No, no slots. Such thing. No slots, it's, it's, no nothing. Yeah, you you get now what you get may be great. It may be super fast and super portable. And all the people that like us that are bashing it now, which I, I don't mean to bash it. I think it's great that Apple came out with something. Yeah. I was actually afraid they wouldn't come out with anything. Right, right. So, and I, you know, I probably will get one, but I'm also going to have to get an expansion, a PCI expansion Thunderbolt bus, which is probably expensive and. Apple's probably not going to make it. And then there's going to be issues and compatibility issues with that thing, probably. I think some of them actually exist right now, and people are using them for extra cards and rendering and stuff. Um, it's going it's, it's to not be as seamless as, for example, when I transitioned from my 2008 Mac Pro to my current Mac Pro, I didn't have to do anything, really. I, just, I didn't have to buy anything extra. I just replaced the, the box and put in the drives, and that was it. This one, I anticipate a lot of extra peripheral purchasing to make it work well. They know how to make their money. I guess they do, and I think they kind of force us to change our paradigm, our way of thinking, our way of working, and that's kind of what Apple has done throughout its existence. So this is just one more step. So right now, I, I, I'm glad they're coming out with it. In about six months, whenever it's actually released, we'll see the performance figures and see if it's worth it. Um, we'll see how much of a gigantic leap in performance it is. And, and maybe, maybe I will reconsider, uh, how useful it is for me after I actually get one. I might just love it. Um, I certainly will love the way it looks and how much smaller it is. And, and we'll see. Yeah. I think it's a, a leap forward and, and maybe just forcing us to do something different. Well, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you was that, uh, specification wise, yeah, uh, you, you know they're talking about this super fast ECC memory and 
you know, it's 60 gigabytes per second of bandwidth and, you know, all this, all, all that stuff. It, when you first heard all that, you know, and then they were talking about their super great uh, video card that that's, that's in the, that's going to be in the machine. Mm-hmm. Did, did that raise an eyebrow for you? Did the, did you react? Did you say, wow, that does sound great. Honestly, I was a little disappointed that they were going to have built-in cards. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and one of the reasons is that one of the reasons I need the powerful Mac is because I use Premiere Pro uh, or a powerful computer. And that was one of the reasons I was considering a, a PC is because Premiere Pro supposedly works well on a PC. Um, they do support uh, some ATI cards now, which are the built-in ones that are in this Mac Pro. Uh, but they also primarily support NVIDIA cards because NVIDIA cards have this... Um, this API, this way of tapping into their power called CUDA, C-U-D-A. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a two competing ways to tap into GPU power. One is called C-U-D-A, CUDA, and one is called OpenCL. Um, OpenCL has been around probably longer than CUDA, but doesn't didn't have the adoption that CUDA had. And I think they had problems with their standards. So NVIDIA just went ahead and said, you know, let's kind of put the open CL in the background and just go for CUDA because we can just design that the way we want. And we have all these manufacturers and software makers that are willing to support us and, and write to these this interface. So applications like Premiere Pro use CUDA really well. I think they're starting to use OpenCL in the same way, but I don't think it's quite up to the level as with CUDA. So I'm a little bit afraid that you'll get this great GPU in the ATI, but Premiere Pro won't work that well with it. Mm. That's I'm a little bit concerned about that. Yeah. Uh, as far as the actual um, memory speed, there's this Intel Xeon E5 chipset. Um, I don't know how much faster that is than than what I have now. Yeah, it looks like the memory bandwidth is faster, so it can potentially shuttle data in and out of the CPU faster. But uh, as far as actual performance figures and real world figures with a uh, something like Premiere Pro or non-linear editor, um, I don't know. You know they're probably going to optimize it for, for Final Cut X, and then hopefully, uh, Adobe will put the resources in to optimize it for, for uh, Premiere Pro and Adobe After Effects. Um, and quickly here, did you think, uh, did you think it was just more hype or whatever when they threw in? Oh, it's going to support three displays that can handle 4k display and all this kind of thing was that more marketing for you or uh was that a good thing um honestly it didn't matter to me i mean if i wanted to i could support three displays in fact i do support three displays right now Mm -hmm. i have two that plug into my nvidia card and then i i can i can pump out an hdmi uh, at the same time Mm -hmm. and it's pretty standard it's not it's not that big of a deal. Um, I don't do 4K. 4K is a lot of information. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe at that point, 4K is going to be a good thing, you know, especially if they have monitors that support it. But right now, 4K monitors are like $10,000. Yeah. So, right, 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 right. <laughs> so it's, a, it's another huge investment if you decide to even utilize that power. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I did like about, you know, when they were closing up about, uh, you know, about the Mac Pro was, how they said that, uh, you know, later when they when it starts getting ready for production and and you know out for us to purchase, that they were going to have the folks from uh, I think it was from Pixar to uh, to you know run it through its paces and stuff like that. And then I think that'll be very interesting for us to see 
you know, of, uh, you know, uh, creative folks like that use it in a way that we're interested in. Right. Right. I think that they could probably utilize this, these units very well. I think that this is going to be, I think it's going to be one of the most powerful personal computers you can get. There's no doubt about it. They're using the pretty much cutting edge Xeon E5 processors and they're, they're running it at a high speed. Um, if you look at their page, it says up to two, two times faster than the current Mac pro. So that's pretty significant because yeah. the current Mac Pro is pretty fast. Right, right. Um, and then you couple that with a super powerful GPU chipset. It, it's going to be a pretty darn powerful computer. Yeah. Um, it's also probably going to be pretty expensive for the really high-end one. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we will see. And I think we'll have to wait for, uh, for a few more months here. And uh, hopefully by that time, we'll have a new episode of uh, Tech Move. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> we'll probably be talking about this a little bit more in oh, a we, future episode, too. Oh, we've got plenty of stuff, plus everything else that went on with the WWDC uh, for 2013. we got plenty of things to go. But yep. um, we're going to wrap that up about the, uh, the first introduction of the new Mac Pro. And uh, we're all excited over here at TechMove. I, I know, Keith, you're looking forward to them finally putting one out so we can see what it what it can really do. I, I think we're going to take a break and we are going to come back with more right here on TechMove. has been an incredibly long time since we've sat down together for a brand new episode of Tech Move. Keith Moreau, how are you? I am great. I, I just want to um, reassure all the people out there that we're waiting for our next episodes, our next uh, recently recorded episodes, because you may have heard some of the quote-unquote lost episodes that we came out with in the last week or so which i'm sure were fantastic they are it was out it was like buried treasure it's like when you <laughs> when you open an old attic or an old closet and you, you find things that were from your childhood well i like to think of it as the bonus section of a dvd bonus yes right bonus section which most people don't listen to right or watch <laughs> Actually, I'm the idiot who does. So, uh, so I like that kind of stuff. But hey, uh, welcome everyone to a brand new episode here at Tech Move. We apologize to our uh, listeners out there who have been waiting with bated breath, and I know you've just uh, held up your lives to wait for a new episode of Tech Move, and we just haven't been able to deliver. And uh, you know, I squarely blame it on Keith. So Keith, I'm 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 sorry, but I'm going to throw you under the bus. <laughs> I, you know, I know that uh, life gets busy. We have a lot of things going on, but honestly, tech move should be your number one priority above family and food and uh, making any kind of money whatsoever. It's really about tech move. It really is about tech move, and I I accept the blame. <laughs> Mea culpa. <laughs> it is my fault, and uh. Just recently on a on a trip to Italy, I had a chance to actually edit some tech moves. <laughs> it was the only the only free time I've had for for months. <laughs> and well, uh, and you, I have to tell you, when you're sitting in economy for like eleven hours straight, right, 
in be- in between two large people. Yes. Yeah. With it, your- <laughs> it, it, it's it's amazing what you can't get done, but what can you get done? You can get you can actually get done, but you learn you learn how to operate in a very small space. You learn how to right. operate without moving your elbows. Right. Uh, and and you. <laughs> And just using your wrist and your fingertips. So the joints in your wrist, I'm sh- I'm sure, are swollen completely, right? Oh yeah, I had That's to soak good. them in ice for days after. Good, the good, 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 good. <laughs> well, uh, you know, hey, it is great to be back. My name is Rod Louie, and with me, of course, is Keith Moreau. We are your happy little hosts here at Tech Move, where Tech Move is a podcast all about digital filmmaking, gear, Mac computers, and iOS devices. From a unique perspective, welcome one and all as we get back into the swing of things here at Tech Move, and uh, we are just excited because uh, you know since we last recorded a brand new episode, all kinds of junk has been going on in uh, in that kind of world, wouldn't you say? There's been a lot of things going on, and and that was really the impetus for restarting the Tech Move because things are just moving so fast in this digital cinema and Mac and iOS industry that we don't want to leave you behind. Exactly. And plus, whatever episodes we had in the can, we didn't want to be putting out there talking about how great our uh, Super 8 film uh, movies were looking. And uh, we thought we should kind of update things a little bit. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was using my garage lights with my Super 8 camera. and Boy, it got sound and everything there. (laughs) Since our last podcast, we've right. had so many advances, such as the the transition from film to analog video and then digital video. <laughs> and for me, recording from a eight track cassette player to uh to a digital to a digital recorder now, amazing! No technology flies, and uh, we are certainly glad we can bring you to the cutting edge, and that is. What we are here to do here at uh, Tech Move. So again, uh, forgive us, folks, for not putting out a brand new one uh, for a little while. But you know what? We're back. We're back in the saddle, and we're raring to go. Uh, hey, Keith. You know, I know that there is something that just happened that we should really talk about right off the bat, and that is the 2013 NAB show that just happened, and I believe. It happened uh, in April. So, uh, you know, what did you find out about what happened at NAB? Because, you know, frankly, I I don't know what happened at all. Well, usually NAB is is it's where all the manufacturers kind of wait to announce all their great new brand new products and wow the world. Sometimes they they pre-release things where they're not actually out yet, but they will be out in a, in a month or two or three. Um, sometimes when, when companies like red announce things, they announce things and they don't come out with them for two or three years or forever. <laughs> right. NAB. Uh, red <laughs> is kind of notorious for that. Although this year they, I think they got the message and they actually had product, some new products on, on the floor, some pretend new products. They weren't real, <laughs> but, um, I heard that red actually had set up a clean room in their in their booth, like a white, you know, clean room with people in suits and stuff. Right. Uh, the clean suits. And they were actually installing these dragon sensors in people's uh, red cameras that they, they, they had been waiting for for years. So, um, you mean right, you mean right there on the spot they were, yeah, like, they were like taking their cameras and un- disassembling them and installing 
installing these ch new chips in them, which are these four or five K chips with amazing, amazing latitude. Wow. And, um, but, I, but I heard that it was actually just a fake and they weren't, didn't actually do it. <laughs> it was just for show. But anyway, uh, <laughs> must've looked good. It must've got everyone all revved up. <laughs> uh, and then facing them apparently at the, I wasn't at the show, but I heard a lot of reports from apparently like right, right next to them was the black magic, um, booth. And it's really interesting because about five years ago, uh, red was the upstart, you know, red was, was the one, the, the new startup company that was challenging all the, uh, the traditional companies like Sony and Panasonic and, and all the, all the manufacturers of cinema cameras with these, with this breakthrough cinema camera that was going to be one quarter the price and, and twice the performance of all these other, um, cameras. And now, and now black magic is the underdog with mm. their release of incredibly low priced, uh, camcorders that are rivaling the red and in, in performance and, and, and other aspects. So it's kind of red is kind of like the, the old dog now. And Black Magic's like the new dog. <laughs> that, that that's really sad because uh, you know I I think you know Red is really just starting to kind of make their way into you know general public, uh, uh, you know, forefront. And uh, now you know with the with all these other companies coming through, it's just going to be tougher and tougher. It is, and and also in the meantime, um, companies like Sony. And Ari and and other companies have taken the challenge from Red, and they've come out with lower priced, higher performance cinema cameras. We have to thank Red for starting this whole revolution in the high end uh, cinema cinematography type cameras, uh, camcorders. They really said these things don't need to be this expensive. We can give this to the masses, or at least the lower end of the pros. You know, the 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 twenty to fifty thousand dollar pros that want to spend about that much on a camera but don't want to spend two hundred thousand dollars on a camera um they they made that possible for a whole segment of the population and so all these other companies like sony and and some other companies uh saw that and they saw that as a big threat and they started coming out with lower price higher performance cameras and so it really was great for the whole industry and, and i really thank red for that well thank uh, you red <laughs> but the new kid on the block, which I was talking about, is Black Magic, and they came out with a couple, a couple new things this year. Yeah, what a a four K for for a certain dollar amount or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they call it four K for four K. <laughs> Very inventive. I like that. <laughs> and uh, and they also came out with this kind of pocket um, uh, cam camcorder. It's, it almost looks like a like a point and shoot, which is amazing. It's a point and shoot that takes a Micro four thirds uh, lens. That that's what I was uh, uh, interested in because you know, as you well know, I, I have a micro four thirds uh, uh, Panasonic, and the from what I had read about the reviews about the Blackmagic micro four thirds, it's really supposed to be terrific with with the micro four thirds, you know, lenses and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that first of all, the micro four thirds just makes everything smaller. Right, it, it makes and lighter, smaller and lighter, more like a pocket camera. They actually call it the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera. The only thing that might be a little, just a deficiency. I mean, how can you say that a thousand dollar camera that does all this is deficient? Right. It's got a Super Sixteen sensor size, um, and by Super Sixteen sensor, it's what uh, sixteen millimeter uh, film size is. 
So it's actually even smaller than a micro four thirds frame. Um, so you know how we have this issue with putting, uh, you know, getting enough wide angle on micro four thirds cameras. Yep, exactly. Uh, this is going to be even more extreme. So even if you put micro four thirds lenses on, you're still going to have to have really wide micro four thirds lenses to get that wide angle view on them, which isn't necessarily that big of a deal, but it just makes things a little more difficult to get right. a wide view. Right. You have to go farther back or just, you have to buy a special lens that's really super wide and not necessarily meant for, for, for everything. Right. But, but other than that, um, it's amazing. You, you get, um, you get cinema DNG raw recording and you also get Apple pro res recording. And both those things are amazing. If you do any like keying where you need to, you know, have like a green screen or a blue screen in the background and key that out. Um, it's really great to have something that's not so compressed like ABC HD to record your stuff in. So I see them just selling a boatload of these to, to people that are doing keying or any, any kind of uh, set pieces or even, even people that are maybe out in the field that just need something a little bit, um, a little bit higher, a little bit better codec, a uh, little higher quality codec than what's available right now in the, in the pocket sized um, video recorders. You know, I am I, I am looking at the website right now for it, and it is a really terrific looking camera, and it is small, it is light, and you know, it is one of those things that is very, um, it, it doesn't draw a lot of attention to it. Exactly, it's a little bit like the GH two or three in in size. Might even be smaller than those. I think it's small. I, I think it, I think you were more correct in your opening, where where you said it was more point and shoot. I mean, this really looks point and shoot right now. I think it, I think it's much smaller than my GH one. Probably, probably is. Mm. And uh, so they're going to sell a boatload of this now. That they're <laughs> not, they might not sell a lot to the the typical prosumer, right? Because I don't think a prosumer would have the workflow in place to to deal with the ProRes files or the raw files. It would just be a big pain and they'd, they'd really, they'd get really frustrated. They just want to load it into iMovie and edit something for their family. Right. But, but for people like you and me, right. Um, that maybe have a micro four thirds, but want to get something a little bit better quality, you know, or, or use it for different purposes for a thousand dollars. I mean, you can't go wrong. You know, it's just, it's just such a good deal. I love it. It. I think it looks great. I think it looks terrific. I mean, the, the, this is going to be, um, you know, in a uh, in another segment uh, of our podcast, uh, we talk about travel cameras and what we take on travel. And, uh, you know, this looks like this is the one that does it. I think so. Now, now they came out with this, and I think this is going to sell a lot, and a lot of people are going to be excited because it's so inexpensive. The one that I'm actually excited about, way more excited than the original digital digital cinema camera by Blackmagic, is the 4K camera that they've come out with. I'm very excited about this. The it, 4K to four uh, for 4K. Yes, mm -hmm. and I'm not necessarily excited about it for maybe the same reasons as other people are. Um, first of all, it's got all the pretty much all the features of the last cinema camera that they have. In fact, I think a lot of people that ordered the cinema camera and waited for a year for it are probably pretty annoyed that they've come out with this camera that's essentially the same price, maybe a little bit more, and mm -hmm. does so much more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but isn't that the risk, you know, those of us who love technology? I mean, that's the risk that you take. 
It is the risk you take. Yeah. Um, the only the only issue is that uh, Black Magic took a long time to deliver. They're they're just delivering that original camera now to yeah. people that were on the waiting list for a year. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people, I don't know how many people cancel, but I'm sure they've got a lot of cancellations in favor of this one. Now, how long is it going to take for them to actually come out with this camera, the 4K camera? Who knows? But uh, still, I'm very interested in it. And when it comes out, I'm going to seriously consider getting it. But I'll tell you why I'm, I'm considering it. It's not necessarily for all the same reasons as other people. So one of the things that we experience in, with modern uh, uh, sensors and cameras is something called rolling shutter. You've probably heard of that term, right? I certainly have, yeah. And you and you may have even experienced it with some of the camcorders you've used. Yeah, I I believe that that's uh, kind of a problem with the GH1 that I have is the rolling shutter uh, uh, issue. Right, and just for those out there that don't that don't know that term or know what the bad effects are, so most most modern uh, digital cameras use a technology called CMOS. CMOS. Um, the sensor is based on this type of technology and there's a lot of advantages to it. It's more light sensitive. The images are a little, usually a little bit better. There's less streaking and there's less artifacting in a lot of ways, but there's some, there's one thing that's a bad thing, uh, over the previous type of sensor. So the previous, the old style sensor back in the old days, when, when camcorders first came out, they were called CCDs. And that stands for charge coupled device for those geeks out there. The CMOS has started to replace the CCDs in a lot of cases, but the difference between the CCD and the CMOS is how they capture the image. In the case of a CCD, the old style, um, the whole image would be taken at once, kind of like a like a film frame. If you can th imagine how film goes through a gate, uh, the film actually stops for a second. Uh, in the gate of the camera as it's being exposed. It stops for not a second, but a very short period of time. <clears throat> it stops for a very short period of time, and then a shutter in front of that opens up and closes. And then it goes to the next frame, stops, opens up, and closes. And because of that, you really can freeze time as it is. The whole frame is one image. Like It's like taking a bunch of stills, one after the other. Um, in the case of the CMOS, it's almost like a... Um, a raster it's it's not it's not capturing the whole frame at once it's actually capturing like the upper left of the frame that pixel in the upper left and then it's going to the next one to the right to the right to the right and it's zigzagging down to the bottom uh right so it's starting at the upper left and it's zigzagging to the bottom right and there's actually a perceptible difference in time between the pixel that's taken in the top left and the pixel that's taken in the bottom right some time actually passes and when you when you're either moving the camera, panning it, or if you have an object that's moving that is like a pole or something, you can actually perceive that the object is skewed. It's actually it's actually skewed in one direction, depending on which way you're moving the camera. So in some cases it doesn't matter because there's a lot of movement and people don't really perceive that. But in some cases you re you really do perceive that that skewing. And it can be really disturbing. And in, and in some uses, it just makes things unusable. So what this uh, Blackmagic production camera 4K has is what's called the global shutter. And I'm not sure exactly how they, the technology they use to do it, because I think they're probably still using a CMOS sensor. Maybe they're putting a shutter in front of that, and they're just opening the CMOS for a longer period of time, and then, and then using a, some kind of electronic shutter in front of it. But 
the basic result is it's it's like the old CCDs. It captures everything at once, so you don't get that rolling shutter. I I totally remember when CCD technology was in just a straight, uh, you know, good old uh, camcorders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, especially I think Panasonic was, was hot on it, uh, on that technology for a long time. I think that was pretty much the only thing available for quite a while. Yeah. And, but I mean, it made an image. I mean, that was like state of the art back then. Oh yeah. And even some of the Cinema cameras now still use that technology. They're just really expensive CCDs. Mm, okay. They're not the the lower mass produced ones. Now I'm going to give you a little secret about CCDs, and it's one of the reasons I still have a CCD camcorder. It was one of the last really high end, well, medium end ones that you could get. I actually, have a JVC HM100. It's a CCD HD camera. It's like one of the few medium priced CCD HD cameras you can get. I think they're making it out. I'm not even sure if it's CCD anymore. I think they've updated it. I still haven't, and the reason for that is because it has that CCD global shutter on it. And I use it for, because when you're using um, post-production stabilization software, uh, which basically crops the edges of the frames to make things steady, you have to use the global shutter. Mm. If you use something like uh, CMOS, when you use that stabilization software, you will see the image waving, jiggly. We call it Jello. Yeah, but if you use a CCD camcorder and use that stabilization software, you won't see the Jello. So that's that's kind of the only reason I have this old camcorder. <laughs> yeah, it's for that. For situations where I need to stabilize things, like if I'm in a moving vehicle or helicopter or something like that, I'll use the CCD. Right. But now with this 4K global shutter, I can get rid of that not very good camcorder <laughs> and replace it with this really nice one that has the global shutter. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Besides the, some of the other issues, one of the other issues that's great about it as opposed to the, the 2K Blackmagic camera is that it actually has a Super 35 size sensor. So you can use a lot of your uh, EF and EFS lenses and not have a magnification crop factor. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. That's uh, this large Super 35, huh? Yeah, it, it makes using the EOS lenses a lot a lot more useful and closer to the frame, the framing that you want instead of, instead of having to use super wide lenses on it all the time, like on the 2k camera. This looks great. Yeah. So we'll see when, if they actually come out with it, (laughs) (laughs) you know, production pictures will look fantastic, but, uh, I guess until it's actually out there. So, uh, has there been any word whatsoever on its availability? Honestly, I haven't investigated it since NAB, but they said it would be out in a few months. You know, I, I'm looking at it right now. It says it's shipping in July. Great. That's what they said about the last one. Is that right? So, although they don't give the year, it could be uh, <laughs> uh, 2020 or something like that. But, you know, hey, you know, uh, you know, Black Magic Designs, if you want to send us uh, one of these one or two of these cameras for us to test, we'd be more than happy to. Uh, and um, I maybe, mean, we'll be maybe waiting we, around. Maybe we can get uh, one for, to give away in a contest. <laughs> that would be that would be <laughs> amazing, and and I'm sure that contest winner would be Rod Louie or Keith Moreau. <laughs> well, uh, that that th- that is exciting there, uh, and and that is the 4K. That is the Blackmagic production camera 4K for 4K. I like that. I'm just giving you the highlights of what I think the best things that best or most interesting things yeah. in NAB were. 
Yeah. There was another thing, and this was actually, it had a little bit of a buzz before the, um, before NAB happened, like a week and a half before. They marketed this thing really well. Um, companies, some companies are really good at marketing. They know how to time things to create a buzz, and then other companies are just really bad at it. Yeah. Uh, so Blackmagic's really good at it. And, and this company, which is, I think, a, I don't know how they, long they've been around, but they did a great job marketing it. So about a week and a half before NAB, Vincent LaFerre uh, posted a blog post, and it was kind of mysterious. And it was like, I've just been using something that is transforming my cinematography. This is like, <laughs> this is as, as important to me as, as using the Canon 5D Mark II was back in 2008. And for those that don't know who Vincent LaFore is, he's, okay, so I'll just give you a little background. Vincent LaFore is a pretty famous still photographer. He, he actually won a Pulitzer Prize for, for journalism photography um, quite a while ago. And he's not that old. He's, I think he's under 40. And, uh, but when he was young, in his 20s, he won this Pulitzer Prize. And ever since then, he's been one of the premier photographers. But he never was really a videographer. He just did stills. And in September of 2008, um, Canon gave Vincent LaFerre a pre-release version of the Canon EOS 5D Mark II still camera. Now, the thing that was different about this camera compared to all the other still cameras that came before it, the DSLRs that came before it, was that it actually had a somewhat usable movie mode. I'm like, serious movie mode. It wasn't really that great because actually uh, you couldn't actually even adjust the exposure on it. It was all automatic at that time. So you basically had to have it on auto mode. And there were a bunch of other things that were pretty deficient about it. But you could do things with it like you you could... You could set the exposure on something like you could point it to a, a bright light or a dark light or whatever you wanted to, to be exposed to. And then to save that exposure, you would slightly loosen up the lens so it would lose contact with the oh. electronics. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a pretty neat trick. Yeah, you just slightly, you'd almost remove it, right. but not all the way. And that's how you, that's how you actually achieved um, exposure. Anyway, it was at that time, and that's how he, that's how he made it work. Um, but he came out with this. Um, what's now kind of a groundbreaking famous film called Reverie. So this film Reverie and the thing that was so so great about it was first of all it looked spectacular. But the other thing it was a shot it was shot at night. And because of the the abil- the ability for this 5D Mark II to film in low light, mm-hmm. you could get these amazing effects with a very fast lens with a very open aperture blurred out backgrounds, all these things that you could never see before in a, in a camera that somebody could afford other than a cinema camera that could cost $100,000 or $200,000. This was the first film. So all these people were seeing in 2008, this is when the DSLR revolution started. All these people saw this film in 2008 and they said, wow, this is amazing. I'm getting cinematographic images from this $4,000 camera or from this $3,000 camera at the time. And it just blew everybody away, and everybody started getting these cameras, and it started the DSLR revolution. So he's famous for that. So did that is 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 uh, that what uh, got you into getting your first uh, Mark II? It did. I actually got the 7D before the Mark II because the 7D actually had better video capability, but it came out a little bit after the Mark II. It came several months after the Mark II. Mm. But I was actually into this shallow depth of field kind of cinema thing before 
even the DSLRs were out. I actually bought um, an adapter to put on the front of my EX1. I, I think I may have talked to you about that or maybe even shown yes. you about it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, uh, but it was just really cumbersome. It just made the camera gigantic and heavy and it was not very useful. I sold it. And, and as soon as I got my 7D, like, like the week I got my 7D, I sold that adapter. <laughs> oh, wow. It was called a Lettuce uh, L-E-T-U-S um, adapter. And they were really famous for a while. And they basically had to stop making them because, <laughs> because everybody was buying DSLRs instead because it was such a it was such a breakthrough anyway so the same guy vincent laferre then kind of transformed he still did stills but he transformed into a cinematographer after this because it became known for this this short film and he's got a great eye and he's he's he was a wonderful still photographer so that translates pretty well to cinematography and he knew how to use a, a lot of this equipment so he started making films and he started making promos for canon and it worked out great for him so he anyway he a couple of weeks before NAB, he just wrote this blog post saying that I'm come. I've just been using this thing on a pre-production model of this of this device that's going to transform cinematography. And everyone was, "What is it? What is it?" You know, it was kind of like when the uh, segways before the segways came out. Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, um, people were saying it was going to transform life as we know it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like. Cars, it's gonna it's gonna transform transportation and all this stuff. We won't have to walk anywhere anymore, right? right. And and you won't need cars because you can just drive these segways. Well, we know how that turned out, right? But <laughs> they're basically used in 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 uh, tourist areas for and, geeks to and, <laughs> drive and, around. And, and where would the security at our shopping malls be without the segways? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah and the, and the thing about the segue is like where do you park it yeah i'm gonna leave this five thousand dollar device on the sidewalk right <laughs> uh why are you bringing your segue into the store because i don't want to leave it outside <laughs> anyway um but hopefully this thing that vincent laferre talked about would actually be be better than the segue right so um anyway so so it finally came out and about two days before NAB, he came out with this video that was amazing and it showed this device in action. And it turned out to be this thing called the Movi Gimbal. And if you look that up, it's, it's a pretty interesting device. And it's actually something I've been thinking about for a long, long time because I knew the technology was available. I just didn't know why anybody hadn't come out with it. Well, somebody was thinking along the same lines and came out with this thing. The Movi Gimbal. This looks like I'm. I'm looking. I'm pulling up some pictures of it. It's made by this company called Free Fly Systems, mm-hmm. and they have a few different models. And basically, looks like a rig. It's a rig, but you know what it is? It's a rig with a gyro stabilized and electronically controlled gimbal on it. Oh, so it's very fly cam-ish. It's it's basically like a Steadicam. Yeah. But way lighter, way easier to use. You don't have to set it up. You just mount your camera on it. And it does it does advanced things like it kind of can anticipate your movement so that when you move quickly it'll kind of slow it down. And it basically just it's like a it's like an intelligent steady cam without all the extra balancing and gear and everything associated with it. You can just hand hold it because it's really light. And it's a steady cam. It does it does look like all the example pictures I'm looking at right now it does I mean it, it looks totally cool cuz like it uh there are pictures of these guys holding it and they're just 
holding it, you know, in the right and left hand, like a steering wheel and going left and right, but then the, the camera stays steady. Right. Exactly. And it, and it's much smaller than a steady cam. It, it takes up about maybe a foot wide and a foot high. Yeah. So you can put it in places where you can never put it for, put it before and you can hand it off. You can, you can actually give it to somebody else. So if you, you can look at Vincent Sider at the site, uh, the free fly system site and see the making of uh, films that they made. They, sure. First they show you the film they made, which is amazing, but then they show you the making of it and they have these guys on roller, roller blades mm-hmm. and they're following taxis and then they're handing it off to the guy in the taxi and it's going through the window and then it's going through. It's, it's amazing what you can do with it. It's like, it's like the product, that even high-end movies are going to start using because it's so versatile. And I think it's the end of the Steadicam. Ooh. Wow. At least yeah, for the, the high-end. Th- those are very bold words, Keith Moreau. It is. It's the end of the Steadicam. Why would you buy a Steadicam when you can have this thing that's smaller and lighter, more versatile, easier to maintain, and has some intelligence about panning and tilting and, and all the things that you need a Steadicam for? This does, plus more. And, you, you know, I'm and mixed with it, how all these cameras are getting smaller, lighter and stuff like that. It, it, it does make sense. Yep. So t- when you have a chance, Rodney, you should check out their videos. I think you'll be amazed. I, I, I will do that as soon as we're done. I'm going to yeah. check that out. I'm excited to, to look at that. Yeah. The only, the only barrier is the price point. It's actually, how much are we talking? I think we're talking six or $7,000 for the low end model. A low end model? Yeah. There's a couple models. There's one model that just does the has can carry enough weight for an SL, DSLR. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a higher end model for like reds and, and, uh, bigger cameras. But, uh, still, I mean, at the kind of medium to high end, you could rent it, you know, for maybe a couple hundred dollars a weekend or a week. Um, I don't necessarily think people are going to buy it, yeah. but I think it probably has a pretty low learning curve. So people, you could just rent it and use it and, it, within minutes, you could probably get some really good footage out of it. Yeah, it's probably one of those things where you you definitely have to set up your shot selection beforehand, know when you're going to use it, and then just go rent it or something. Yeah, I think so. But but still, you know, if you have the right personnel, and you might have, it's going to employ a lot of professional rollerbladers. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a boon for the rollerblading. Well, thank goodness, because that uh, that job description is getting a little bit more tight, I think. That's good. <laughs> That's Qualifications. Cool. Right. I rollerblade. The Movi Gimbal. You, you know, when I went uh, looking, uh, let's, uh, let's put a link up on our website for, uh, for what that is. Uh, on the Freefly website, though, is it actually called the Movi M10? I think it's the M10. Yeah. Is it the M10? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's either the... Yeah, that looks like it. It looks. I think it's the M10. Yeah, they. I think they started out in the in the gimbals for helicopter products mm-hmm. for for RC helicopters, and then yes. they said, "Hey, we can make a handheld version of this." And I actually had this idea too because there's tons of helicopter gimbals out there. Right. They're not they're not cheap, but but they're out there. So obviously the technology's there. They just adapted it to handheld. Instead of putting on a helicopter, you can put it on. You can hold it. I think so, that's very nice. Yeah. Uh, that, that 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 looks really good. I mean, it's it's a nicely. I mean, it 
not only doubles as steady, uh, you know, as a steady shot type of uh, rig, but I mean, a rig in its own. Yeah, you could use it use it as a rig on its own, and then oh. turn on. And the thing too is, you can actually remotely control it, so you could have somebody being the the operator and somebody being the holder. Oh, that's kind of cool. You could just have somebody with a with a remote um, video monitor, actually with a joystick, moving it around for the shots. So the person that's holding can't necessarily frame it all the time because they're moving and there might be unsafe for them to be looking at the thing. Right. So they could just kind of hold it in the general direction and then the operator whose remote control can aim it. So that cool. capability is really amazing. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, hey, thanks to uh, Vincent LaForêt, and uh, let's we'll check out his uh, uh, his suggestion about the Movi gimbal. And uh, but what about this other gimbal that you had kind of told me about? It's this thing called the DJI Servo gimbal, right? So, and this kind of maybe leads into my a little bit of something that I recently got. So I've always had this idea of filming. Uh, putting a camera on an RC, a remote-controlled, radio-controlled helicopter. Right. And I'd actually gotten um, what's called an AR, AR drone parrot a while back when they first came out. And they're basically these consumer quadcopters. They have four rotors on them. And because they have four rotors, they're really pretty easy to operate. Mm. And this one, was op- you could operate it through an, an Android, I mean, an iOS app. And so you could have your iPad, and it had a little bit of a video feed, so you kind of see what's going on with it over Wi-Fi, and then control it by moving the the iPad around. And I got it um, a while back, and I just found that it was just a little bit too fragile and light for to really use for anything professional. And I wanted to use it professionally, and I tried mounting an old GoPro on it, and it just was really unstable, and you could probably see some of my efforts on the internet on my youtube channel if you want you 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 mean uh uh it, it was unsteady in the sense of what the it, it kept the gopro shaking and you, you could kind of it wasn't this smooth movement like you were hoping it was going to be well not only wasn't it smooth but i just couldn't get it to fly reliably it would oh, just crash okay. it would crash all the time so, it was really so sad is that user error or is it <laughs> <laughs> it's probably partially user error but the problem with a lot of this stuff is I don't want to become a professional RC pilot. Right. You know, radio controlled. Health. I want a, something that's easy enough for me to use and and not have to invest a whole lot of extra time to learn how to be this thing that I really don't want to be. Right. You know, I want to I want to create films. So the stuff I get, I it needs to be pretty easy to use or I'm not going to get it. So I I just realized after about a day of experimenting with the AR Parrot that it really would have to invest a lot to make it good. So I just did, I didn't pursue it. Um, but I heard about this, this product uh, called the DJI Phantom and it got great reviews and a lot of people started using the pre-release version. Then when it first came out, I decided to order it. Um, and it's actually meant to hold a GoPro. It's actually designed to hold a GoPro. So it's, it's whole, its whole weight distribution and lifting power and everything is actually perfect. It's not trying to jury rig something on that wasn't wasn't intended to, to hold a camera. This was actually intended to hold a camera, a small camera, a GoPro, but nonetheless. And with the, with the addition of the GoPro Three Black Edition, which is a pretty high quality video camera, 
now there's a possibility for some professional uh, RC helicopter footage. So I ordered it a little while ago. I actually haven't used it yet because I wanted to have time to learn how to use it. I didn't want to crash it on the first first run and you know waste a thousand dollars to have it lost. You know, have it run away from me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, but one of the things that has always been an issue is how to get it really steady because the helicopter can be fairly steady, but there's still little movements that it's making all the time. Mm-hmm. And this one, this DJI Phantom is pretty smart. It, it actually has a GPS and a gyro stabilizer in it. So it can, it can maintain itself in, in a stationary position or in a very slow moving position, but there's still little micro movements that occur. And that doesn't look good on, on film or in video. It, it, it looks unprofessional. Mm-hmm. So, the addition of a servo similar to this movie would make it perfect. So DJI at the last NAB announced this servo they're coming out with for I'm, the Phantom. I am on the DJI website and uh, it it looks very very nice. Right, very I'm really stylish, excited. very stylish looking too. It's it's actually really well made. It's 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 not as lightweight and cheap as the AR drone. It's not that much more expensive either. Um, it has a lot of professional components in it, and it has a lot of artificial intelligence to keep you from messing up. Yeah, like it has this um, this way of a lot of times with a quadcopter, since it doesn't really have a front or a back, it's kind of hard to tell which direction it's going. Yeah, it's easy to to get lost. So it has this mode where you can just point it. It's always oriented towards you. So you don't have to worry about which way it's pointed. You just say, I want it to go away from me, and you just push the joystick forward, and it goes away from you. It could be reversed or flipped around. It doesn't matter. It just knows that it wants to go away from you or towards you or to the left or right. So it's got things like that. It's also got this kind of emergency mode where if you get lost, you can just hit this button, and it, it returns home and then lands. Um, unfortunately, I've, I've also gone on to a lot of the forum sites, and a lot of people's uh, DJI Phantoms, at least a few, have actually escaped. And, oh no! And run away and gotten lost. Oh no! So, so one of the things I'm going to get is actually a homing device that actually you can buy these homing devices. They're usually meant for kids, but they're really small. Uh, in case you lose your kid, you can find them, you know, or your dog or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> your car. <laughs> People that have bad memory and you know in the parking lot. That's right. <laughs> but they sell these pretty light things, and I'm going to attach one to the to the DJI when I start flying it because that would be horrible. That would be like a $1,500 just, you know, loss. Toy, toy just gone. Just gone, yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, so, but but then they're going to come out with this gimbal probably in a month or two, and that's going to make it really sweet. Well, what's its range on something like this? Like if you're, if you're uh, you know, running it through your iOS device, you know, how, how far away can you fly this thing? Uh, probably not too far away. I mean, you know, probably you know, really controlling it, maybe a couple thousand feet. Oh, it looks like it actually has its own real remote control. Yeah, it has its own controller. Yeah. Uh, you can do a little bit of monitoring through Wi-Fi, right. through their app, but okay. I um, I don't, I think that actually there's been some reports of it interfering with the internal electronics. So mm-hmm. I think it's better not to have Wi-Fi going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and uh, you have to be careful with it. There's True. there's a lot of laws in the U.S. now that are very ambiguous about flying remote-controlled con- helicopters. In fact, you're not really supposed to use them at all for commercial use. Mm. Uh, you, if you're a, it's funny, but if you're a hobbyist, 
you can use them and there's no law against it. But if you're actually making money off of it, you can't use them. Or you have to have a special FAA permit and some pilot's license or something like that, which is really impossible to get. Mm-hmm. So I'm not quite sure. I, mean, I know they're selling a ton of them, and I know they're not selling them all to hobbyists. So I'm not quite sure you know, how that's going to work. There's some legislation that's going to resolve it, but it's not, it's not available now, and it won't be for maybe a year or two. So I think all the people that are using it are just testing it out and seeing. And I'll, if I use it, I'll be using it for nonprofit projects myself. So it won't be a money-making thing at least initially until I get used to it and get better at it. But I'm right. kind of excited about it. It's, it's going to be a fun thing. That, that, that looks really cool. The DJI Servo gimbal is uh, what we're looking at right now. And we'll put a link on our uh, website for that. So you guys can look at that too. Very, very cool. Let's, um, let's move on to uh, one other thing that I know that is uh, uh, a hot topic as of late since we're coming back to uh, some of the news here on Tech Move, and that is the new Adobe CS subscriber uh, model that they're about to employ, or they are employing right now. Right. I think it's. I think they officially call it Creative Cloud. Okay. And uh, and basically, I, at some point, Adobe said, "We're not making that much money on selling software, but we're making a lot of money on the sus- subscribing uh, Creative Cloud version." that we came out with a year ago. And so at NEB or around NEB, they said, we're not going to sell software anymore. CS6 is the last version you can actually buy with an unlimited license, perpetual license, they call it. And from now on, you're going to have to subscribe to everything. So you, you, you pay a certain amount per month. I think you could subscribe to one app or all the apps. There's, there's nothing in between. So if you, you're a Photoshop user, you can subscribe for a lower price, if you want to get all the apps, Photoshop, Premiere, you know they have about fifteen apps. Uh, then you pay a little bit more, or maybe double. So I think the range is between fifty and seventy dollars a month for that. Uh, there might be some better deals out there. So it had a, it basically caused a tremendous furor, and I think you heard about it too, right, Rodney? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, so, like that, that that was like um, front page news. What did you think about it? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm probably not the right guy to ask because, you know, I use my software for years on years. So yeah. I'm not, so I'm not really going to need to really think about this for, you know, probably another couple of years, uh, you know, until, you know, until I find that something is no longer useful to me, will I change it? I'm a creature of habit. And that, you know, that's that, and that's what makes this podcast so great is because you're, you know, you're always trying the new innovation, whereas I kind of stay back to say, I'm one of those, you know, don't fix what's not broke. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so as far as the subscriber, uh, model that they have, I mean, that's, that's the way, you know, technology as far as software goes is going, right? I mean, it's a subscription based it's, you know, kind of a uh, pay-as-you-go. It is a uh, thing where, you know, everything will be on the cloud and, you know, uh, you actually having physical software somewhere to install or not install is going by the wayside. So it it it, it just looks like a, a regular kind of business model that's going towards, um, you know, trying to uh, uh, make them money via monthly subscription basis. Yeah. 
I think they just did a cost analysis, uh, the cost benefit analysis over the past year since they introduced the Creative Cloud subscription service, and they just realized we we are making tons of money on Creative Cloud, and we're not making very much money on our our purchases. So let's just go Creative Cloud. Yeah, and it's it's great for their accounting. It makes things simpler. They can come out with updates anytime they want because it's all they can they can up to update to a new version in the middle of the year if they want to um and they have this monthly income they don't have to worry about coming out with some new version that has all these great features that will make people want to buy it and then this influx of cash and then maybe starving for a while and then another big influx influx of cash I'm curious, though, as as to how it works in the sense of like, okay, let's say you're a Photoshop user. You know, the way we got it right now is that we have Photoshop installed on our on our machines. You know, actually, it's really almost everything is the same. All the software resides locally. Uh huh. But what they do is they have a a connection to the internet. Their their licensing server. Right, so it's just looking for updates and stuff like that. And at the end of your month, you, then you you just don't have it anymore until you renew it. Right, and apparently there's a pretty liberal policy. Like, if some people are away from the internet for months, um, unlikely, but it's possible. Um, and I think it's up to three months of non-connection before they cut you off. So, uh, but basically, is when when periodically it'll it'll say is this software licensed, and then. If you've paid for it, if you're up to date, then they'll let you use it. And then at some point, if you if you haven't paid for it, it'll cut you off and say sorry. So, so there's a good and bad. There's good and bad with this. Okay, so the worst possible scenario, you are a professional and you have all this great material that you produced in Creative Cloud stuff. You know, so it's it's really only compatible. It's not backward compatible with earlier non-Creative Cloud versions. And you decide, you know, you quit the business for a couple of years. Well, you still have all this product and you have this version of the software and you're, but you're not a subscriber anymore. And you try to launch your project. You say, oh, you know, I'm going to restart my career. You launch your project and it doesn't open because it's not licensed. Right. So you have stuff that you've created that's yours, but you can't use it because you don't have the subscription. And that's what a lot of people are really annoyed about. Yep. Um, at least with the current software, you could, even if it's not compatible with the very newest operating system, it's probably compatible with some old computer you have, and you could get it to work, and you could export it as something usable. Well, you're kind of, basically, once you go into the creative cloud universe, you're there forever. Yeah. And it's people thought think they're being held hostage. So that's one negative. Uh, but I think that's a negative with any, anything like Salesforce, like Evernote, like all the other subscription services that are out there. It's just that some of the subscription services are more like services and they're not like creative products that you've invested a lot of your own personal blood, sweat and tears on. And then you have to use this. You have to pay for this license to actually use it. Well, you, you, you know, I'm thinking about it as far as uh, my uh, personal usage on something like this. Like, you know, let's say that, um, uh, you know, let's say, uh, you know, I like messing around with after effects. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but you know, I don't use it every day. I use it, you know, once a blue moon, mm-hmm. you know, and it's really just for, you know, maybe a, I don't know, maybe a titling thing or something like that for something fun. 
mm-hmm. you know, am I going to subscribe to something to use it, you know, go through that trouble just for something that, you know, I- I'm going to mess around with as an experiment or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I think they're kind of cutting out a lot of their casual user uh, um, portion of their of their customer service. Uh, and, and they're really going for people like you who, who, who actually make a living at doing this kind of thing and hoping there's enough of them to sustain that. I think so. I think so. And I think for the people that are just dabbling, they have a pretty good trial. It's like a 30-day trial where you yeah. use all the functionality and then it shuts off. Yeah. But for people that, well, I don't know. I just think, I think it's a great business decision for them. And we're just going to have to, if we want to use Adobe products, we're just going to have to do it. I, I, you know, I, I think, it, I think it's a very good thing too. I mean, like to box up stuff to, you know, have it, uh, you know, have it in stores, you know, that that's all going by the wayside, right? I mean, it oh, was yeah. one, it was one of those things where now software is just done by downloading it and then there you go. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that, that's the way of the future and old actual, you know, um, real, like in your hand type of software is pretty much non-existent anymore. Correct. Yep. 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 Um, so that's so the new version, the Creative Cloud version, is out now. You can get it. Um, and there's uh, a few options. There's apparently the new version of Premiere Pro, which is what I use. Uh, I'm not sure. I guess it would be called Premiere Pro 6.5, but they might call it Premiere Pro CC. I think. I'm not sure if they're going to have versions anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's coming out uh, June 17th. So around the time this podcast is out, maybe a little bit later, it's going to be out. I'm actually kind of excited about that version because it, it apparently fixed a couple bugs that were really one of the reasons why I didn't upgrade from 5.5 to 6. So we'll see. We'll see how that version works. And I, I probably will get it. There's a pretty good deal going on. This company um, called Tool Farm is actually offering a really good deal for a year subscription. It's actually quite a bit off the the Adobe price. So um, so you mean the subscription is available through other vendors? Yeah, it's available through their dealers. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that they would have cut all that stuff out and you just got to go to adobe.com and you just get it from them. Yeah, I, I, I guess not. I guess they have dealers and, wow. and, some, and they can discount a little bit. So Oh, wow, that's... That's interesting. Yeah, just like uh, just like when they sold their their boxed products. Yeah, 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 exactly. Huh. So uh, I'm a little excited about that this new version of Premiere Pro. I hope hopefully it'll be faster and not have as many bugs. Well, yes. I I can't wait for the review when you finally start to use it, and then we'll 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 talk about it on a, a future podcast. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Kids, uh, you know, strap yourselves in because the ride's going to get even more bumpy than here. So uh, uh, that is our uh, NAB highlight. And uh, welcome back to our listeners. And uh, we will take a short little break and come back with another segment right here on Tech Move. So, hey, Keith, you know, I heard 
that you had gone away on a, a, a vacation of some sort? Was it a little one? Was it a big trip? W- where did you go? Uh, well, I've been on a couple. They're not necessarily vacations, although they can serve as that. Uh, they're also kind of business trips where I'm recording video and stuff. So one trip I went to Kauai because I have this project going on in Kauai. So I've gone to Kauai a couple times in the last few months. Great. And then uh, just came back from Italy. Oh, wow. Beautiful. And in both cases, I took gear. For the Kauai trip, I took a massive amount of gear. Well, not massive, but a lot. Right. Three, three big suitcases full. And <laughs> were, were, were they regular suitcases or do you have like flight cases for these things? So I do have um, what, what are called Pelican cases. They're really kind of a famous brand and they're made out of this hard black plastic and they're actually watertight. You could actually, yes. like, you could be on a boat and sink and you would die, but your equipment would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, wouldn't they act as great flotation devices though? I think they're they're good enough to float themselves, but once you put a person on, they just sink like a rock. Ah, uh, interesting. Good. Yeah. Well, good. So, yeah, good. so you just go to the bottom, and then when you ran out of air and drowned, then the flight case would go to the top, and they would find your cases. <laughs> of, of your <laughs> photographs of, like, you sunbathing. Yes. Great. You're dead, but hey, you, get, you, had a good, you had a great tan. Great island vacation. But the thing is, is that they're just, they're almost like they're too rugged, so unless you're planning to go into the outback or actually really go into the water or on a boat, they're almost like overkill because they're kind of heavy. Right. Exactly. So you're carrying all this weight in the form of just the case itself. Um, so what I've actually kind of graduated to for most of my, my, my trips is I just use normal, um, really nice, uh, hard, like they have these kind of fiberglass, uh, hard cases. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all hard, you know. They don't have soft sides or anything. They're just kind of like a shell of polycarbonate. And there's right. a few man, yeah. And there's a few manufacturers of those. And then I actually get these special inserts that are made for that size of of case. It's like a it's like a carry on size, you know, which has a pretty it's a pretty limited a range of dimensions. So these these things these generic things I get them at Calumet or other places. They they have slots that have these Velcro pieces to them that where you can kind of reform how the inside looks. Right. You can, you can design it into any kind of maze that you want to. Right. Yeah. Yep. So I just, once I get all the gear that I want, then I kind of make the, the padding dividers, sure. uh, fit. And then I take those and it's really good cause they're really light and they're really easy to transport. They're the kind that have the wheels that roll around independently. So you can stand them up, but still roll them around. Kind of like a, Oh, Oh, I get it. Right. Just like regular luggage type yeah. of thing that you like, uh, like you would with your dog, put them on a leash and just walk them around. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you want to stand it up, you don't have to hold it and have the weight on you. It's just self standing. Good. So I take two of those. Usually the, if I travel with somebody else, we'll both have one carry on piece each. And you, just take- you know, when you said that you stand them up, it's so it's, so the case is kind of like in, in, uh, in portrait mode, not in landscape and you're wheeling it around in portrait mode. Right. Got it. Exactly. I'm with you. Yeah. Yep. And since, and since I'm with the bag the whole time and I'm, I'm the one that's handling it and putting it in the, in the overhead bins, I, I can kind of control how roughly it's handled. Right. I would never check that thing in. Like if they forced me to check it in, I wouldn't, I would just like get off the plane because <laughs> I don't want some, you know, luggage carrier just basically because they just throw the stuff and try to break it. Oh it's yeah, amazing. absolutely. Oh, you know, when you're sitting on the plane and you're watching the luggage carriers handle 
the luggage. It is amazing that anything comes survived. Yeah. In fact, one time my girlfriend Veronica bought something that couldn't be on the plane. It was had some liquid in it. Right. So she actually borrowed my luggage one time on a trip that she took without me. And she actually checked, she had to check this bag. And it was, it was one of those nice cases that I, that I um, use for my equipment. And when I got it back, it was trashed. <laughs> I mean, it, literally like it was bent. Right. It's really sturdy metal and it was bent. Right. So I'm going to have to, you know, bend it back myself or something. Right. You'll, you'll have to go to the local automotive uh, body shop and have it pounded out with Bondo. That's a good idea. <laughs> Actually, yeah. yeah, putting Bondo, that would work really well <laughs> to make it look brand new and right. spray paint it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> chips, chips might fall off once right. in a while. But. Exactly. <laughs> At least you'll stop the rust from happening. <laughs> Wow, that, that yeah, that but but you know the, the case by itself is it very heavy? The case itself, without anything in it, is actually really light. It probably weighs about five or six pounds. Oh, that's pretty it's good. A, it's amazing how mm. how light they get. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, how about you? What do you usually use when you travel? Well, uh, j- just to kind of go along what we're talking about, I also went on a trip recently, and uh, you know Keith and I are based here uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, so we're here on the West Coast. Uh, I took a trip to New York and uh, had a wonderful time there, and uh, decided to take uh, you know just a little bit of equipment to you know. Uh, to document my my trip over there, and uh, I had actually gotten a couple of things for the trip. Uh, with that, of course, I'll use going forward, and I really really like them. And along your lines of the uh, of of this case, I bought myself a proper uh, camera backpack. Wow! Yeah, uh, because what I was using before, and you know the. And and I do have to say, this was a great idea at the time, was I was using a very nondescript, like, $20 backpack before. Uh, and, you know, I, I had done a lot of research and a lot of thinking and stuff like that about it. And I had also bought these uh, padded inserts that are designed to put inside backpacks to divide up your camera you know, for like a couple of lenses, a body and, you know, a, a couple other things and stuff. Where'd you get those padded dividers? Um, I got them. I want to say that I got them from Amazon. Huh. Okay. And it, and it was, it's really, really terrific. I, I, I can look for it and I'll let you know again, but I, I bought that a long time ago and it was okay. really, it was really terrific because, uh, you know, I was thinking about doing a DIY project of making these uh, camera bag dividers uh, because, you know, really all it is is like padded cardboard for, for the rigidness. And then they put some, you know, nice fabric with Velcro on it. That's all mm-hmm. they do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I actually read somewhere which looked really fantastic where, uh, and I know this is a, a, a G rated podcast, but <laughs> the best way to do it. And, and I was really going to do this was get cardboard and then sandwich the cardboard with um, feminine napkins. Oh, okay. And then so you just know, stick it inside. Stick the or cardboard. Just put it, put it on the inside. inside. Right. You you oh. you put you put the feminine napkins. You know, uh, uh, and, and, you know, tape it up, uh-huh. and it's really super padded. It's super padded. Oh. It has the rigidness, and then you know you can 
put it in some fabrics, you know, if you don't want to be embarrassed, because frankly, I would be. Uh, but uh, I mean, you know, that that was a great little DIY thing that I saw off the internet. I was going to do that. Uh, but then I saw these, you know, already made up ones and I just, and it fit the dimensions of my old backpack. I bought it. Okay, fantastic. But then the problem with that is that, you know, then that only uh, makes use of the bottom half of your backpack. So you have this whole top half that's not really being utilized and you end right. up throwing more stuff in there, crushing the equipment at the bottom, right? So <laughs> all the expensive equipment, right? Exactly. <laughs> but it was great as far as safety goes, because then, you know, nobody's looking at that as being a proper camera bag. It just looks like some dumb backpack that you've got nothing but candy bars and, you know, old pants in. Right. It's very inconspicuous. Very so. inconspicuous. So that was yeah. a great safety feature. But mm -hmm. anyway, uh, I, I decided, you know, now that I've got a few more items that I like to bring along with me, uh, I think I really need a proper bag. So anyway, that leads me to where I am right now, where I picked up a, a, a low pro mm -hmm. fast. Uh, it's called a fast pack 250. And what it is, it's a camera and laptop backpack in I have a link to it, and I'll uh, we'll put it in the show notes for everyone to take a look at what I bought. And it's it's really cool. I mean, it's not the biggest bag. I don't think it would be good for you, but it it certainly fits a uh you know a body with a uh, I, I think it you can put up to a, like a two hundred millimeter lens in that main compartment. Uh, plus, you can put on you know another two hundred millimeter lens in a in a separate well. Uh, plus a bunch of other things, and most importantly, you can. It also has a padded area in the very back of the backpack for up to a uh, seventeen-inch laptop. So I put right. like my, you know, my iPad in there, and boy, it works great. And the neat thing that I like about this particular Low Pro is that it has kind of like this side-slinging uh, zipper opening. So like mm -hmm. you don't have to open up the pack. You can just open up this little side pocket, pull out your camera and start shooting away. Right. You don't have to take the pack off correct. completely and unzip the whole thing. You just unzip this compartment and you can take your camera out. That is correct. And, yeah. and, and, and I really like that. It's, uh, you know, almost like a holster. So you mm -hmm. just, you know, whip that baby out and shoot away. So, and you uh, can kind of, you can kind of use it as a sling if you want to, right? You can take one of the. Use it with one strap. Yes, you you, uh, you 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 certainly you certainly could, but I think that as far as just the overall comfort, it, it's better to use it as a as a proper backpack uh, so because yeah. it, it's very well padded, it's uh -huh. very comfortable. Um, I like it. I like it, and I was considering a, a bunch of other ones too, but uh, this one seemed to have the the things I was looking for. It wasn't too overly big, and um, uh, but it you know it certainly does the job. That's cool. Uh, yeah. That and sounds then, really cool. I'm glad you got that. Well, it, it's it's really good. And then on top of that, I also um, purchased a new travel tripod. Uh, oh, great. And, and that tripod is a, um, it's by a company called MiPhoto. And it's the MiPhoto A1350Q1R. I know that's a lot of numbers, so we'll go ahead and put that also in the show notes and um and it's, will, it's really catchy too so thank you thank you but i think the thing that's neat about this is that and you can appreciate this it folds up 
to 15 and a half inches, but then extends out to a full like 61, 62 inches. Mm -hmm. So it's, and it's very sturdy. And then you can take off one leg, turn that into a monopod. And uh, it's re- it's really nice and versatile. So I so I love that thing. That thing is, and it's a nice. I, I got a cool red one, so it's very eye catching. Um, and that's it, not that's not that inexpensive. That one. No, it's not. It was like it was like a hundred and eighty, hundred ninety dollars. It was pretty expensive. For so that's me. actually kind of yeah. I mean, that's kind of a big expenditure. It absolutely was. And for that, I'll be asking you to reimburse me personally for that. Oh. Well, the, the podcast can reimburse you because... <laughs> because everyone's going to click to Amazon to look at this thing. Yes, this this segment is going to pay for itself easily. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Exactly. But, so actually along... Okay, so along those lines... Yes. Just to tell you, since we're talking about our travel stuff... Yes. Um, I think I looked at yours. I think I looked at the one that you got. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure if it's something that maybe is pretty new. Uh, is Is that tripod just came out pretty recently or has it been out for a while? I think it's been out for a little while. Really? It, it, okay. it, it, it is a little bit, I mean like a little while, like maybe uh, I think since uh, maybe the first, uh, first part of 2013. Oh, okay. So, but like within a year. Oh, within, certainly yeah. within a year. Yes. Yeah, yes. Cause yes. I think when I got my, so I got a tripod that's kind of similar to that one. Okay. Um, The one I got is called the Siri S I R U I. Okay. T dash zero twenty five carbon fiber tripod kit. Okay. And I think yours is probably yours might be made more for for a video because yours has a fluid head on it, right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, that is correct. But it looks really similar to the one I got, and I think it's kind of got the same characteristics where it folds down. Mine actually folds. Mine might fold a little bit smaller than yours, and yours is probably a little bit bigger. Mine goes down to about 12 inches. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. And it's actually made out of carbon fiber. Oh, so that's super light. It's super light. It's yeah. actually really stiff. I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I, I kind of just put it in when I'm going on little hikes and stuff. I just, that's the one I would take with me because it's so small and light. Right. When you need to try it, but it's not going to carry, uh, it'll carry a huge camera, but you won't be able to do much with it. You'll just be able to set it up and forget it. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, so that's one of the things that I kind of similar to to what you took a, sm- a small collapsible tripod and and I think yours the legs fold in backwards is that right uh th- right when yeah. in, in its collapsed state you that you fold them backwards i guess yeah, is the way the, to indicate yeah. that yes they go all the way up so that some of the space is taken up is kind of made up for by the fact that they fold in reverse that's correct yeah and that center pole which adds a little bit extra length is not taking up extra space it's buried within the uh uh collapsed legs that's pretty cool no it's it's really nice i mean i it, it it's not a carbon fiber so it's not like the lightest thing in the whole wide world but it is super sturdy and mm-hmm. uh you know for me you know my old tripod that i had even a, a a small tripod that i used to have collapsed down to like 19 inches so i could never really take it with me it was always too big and all this kind of stuff. And with this uh, 15, what did I say, 15 and a half, something like that, it, uh-huh. it pretty much can go anywhere. And uh, the thing about the uh, Low Pro backpack that I got, it actually has a really nice uh, tripod uh, strap on the side of it. 
So it's very, very convenient there too. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I'm looking nice. at your tripod. I think I, I think I saw an announcement of this when it came out and I'm looking at it now and it's yeah. pretty much exactly like the Siri. No, I, it might be a little bigger, but the design is almost exactly almost the same. It the same, might even sure. be made by the same Chinese factory. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they just have some guy at the end, like putting it in the Siri pile or the maybe the, pile. Maybe that's why mine is in red because of the blood shed for it. <laughs> but uh, I think yours is a little large, larger model. And like, I'll think, and I'll remind my listeners that I'm Chinese, so I get to say stuff like that anyway. So it's okay. <laughs> disclaimer that's right exactly <laughs> and you get to uh, say that too keith so i get to say it right not as much but <laughs> <laughs> only about half <laughs> so well that's cool no I, cool. I, I, travel, I, I, I like stuff. them yeah, yeah i like them it, 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 it's very nice but you know i will find the link to those inserts and i'll let you know uh that way we can share it with our with our listeners and uh, see, you know, maybe they're interested too. And yeah, um, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll do that. But how about you? What did you just take to your Italy trip or your Kauai trip? Uh, what can you share with us? Because especially if you were like working and, and actually, you know, having some uh, video shoots there, what you must've taken the whole nine yards. For the Italy trip, I really wanted to travel light. I did have some video stuff scheduled to be shot, but it wasn't like I didn't need it to be super, super pro. And I didn't need to necessarily have a lot of extra support gear, like lighting and stuff like that. It was just natural lighting. Mm -hmm. So I just decided, I decided to go as small as possible. So for that trip, I just took that, that Siri um, tripod that I mentioned, the really small one that collapses down. And that's actually good enough uh, for a, a small camcorder. Um, and then I, and then I brought a fluid head, uh, a regular, uh, but a very, 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 very lightweight one. Yeah. Um, Manfrotto makes the lightest one that you can pretty much get. That's still kind of professional is a Manfrotto 700 RC2 mini video head with RC2 rapid connector plate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you look it up, it's, it's really basic, but it's got, um, pretty much all the features that you'd want, which is a, a bit of tension on the tilt. Uh, so you can kind of vary how, how much, uh, resistance there is when you tilt up and down and then a variable pan tension as well. You can, uh, move the, where, where the plate, the RC2 plate goes in, you can move that forward and backward a little bit. Yeah, so I see that. there's a little bit of balancing. Um, so I took that and then I put the, um, Swiss Arca connector on the bottom, the the kind that goes into the tripod. I think yours is similar, right? Yours right. is a plate. It's a kind of a special type of plate called a Swiss Arca mounting plate. I didn't know what that was called, but I know what. You, but now I do. I think that's what it's called. That's the style, and uh, it's pretty universal style. This Manfrotto has some standards, and then this is other standard, which is a little bit smaller. It's more for still cameras. Anyway, I put that on the bottom of this head so that I could quickly mount this head to my lightweight Siri tripod. Right. And then for the video camera choice, I chose the camera that I go to a lot when I need something small, but super high quality. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's the uh, Sony CX 760. And the reason I like that is because it's got super great low light capability. It's, it's got a big chip on it. I mean, big for a small camera. Like right. That. Uh, and, but the thing that I also like about it 
is that it's got this kind of a gimbal stabilization. It's it's really odd, but if you look at it, you can see the lens moving around like on a gimbal. I, I think I've seen that camera uh, when you and I have gotten together, and it it it's uh it, it, you can actually see the lens kind of floating around. Yeah, it's weird. It's like an eyeball. Yeah, that's uh-huh. following you exactly. So I like that because uh, I find that's does a completely mechanical stabilization rather than electronic, and I f- find that's a little bit more reliable and better quality than the electronic stabilization. Anyway, so those are the, that's really all I brought um, just to capture some stuff in Italy, and uh, I, I used it. How how old is that camera? Your your the Sony. I think it came out about a year ago. Oh, so it's still relatively. So is it still available? I think yeah. I think you can get it now. Interesting. You can get that one. They may have an upgraded model, but I think I was looking recently, and I I didn't see anything that was much newer than that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's a that's a good one. The only thing the only thing that might be a negative is that it only records in AVC HD format. So if you need to have something that's a little bit less compressed, it doesn't record in anything but that. But but they they've gotten pretty good at recording AVC HD. Um, and I usually use the 60p mode, which is a higher bit rate. It's a 28 megabits per second, I think. Cool. So um, anyway, so I used that. I was really happy with it. I looked at the image later. Images later, some of them were at night and they were beautiful. Um, I recorded some sports stuff and some other stuff on the water, and it worked really well. So that was going small. That's as small as you can possibly get. <laughs> And and was that essentially just one camera you took, or did you take another yeah. backup, or what? No, I just took the one camera, because I didn't really want to have to worry about uh, expensive gear there, especially in Italy and foreign countries. Um, when you're trying to travel light, there's always a chance of things getting stolen, and and I didn't want to advertise it too much, because I were traveling around a right. lot, like on trains and stuff. Right. So, uh, I mean, it's, it can be done, but I, I didn't want to have to worry about it too much. So I just took enough to do the job. Nothing more. <laughs> no, that, I think better. that sounds great. I, yeah. I, I, that's where you could have used my uh, uh, indescript uh, backpack. I could have, yeah. <laughs> Instead, I just put it in my nondescript backpack. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring a camera. Uh, my next thing is using a plastic Safeway bag. That's my, <laughs> that's my next thing. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, but something like that, it's inconspicuous, and you kind of look like a tourist, so... You don't get a lot of extra attention. Right, because the, n- nobody can really tell, oh, that camera can do something, this one can't. And Exactly. And, yeah. But it's actually a pretty expensive camera. It's right. like a $1,500 camera, so it's, it's not one of the cheap, cheapo camcorders. Right, but I've okay. seen it. I've seen that camera, and, you know, I mean, no offense to the camera, but it <laughs> looks like it, you know, like it could be one of those, you know, mini, D- mini DVD recording disc uh, 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 cameras or something, you know, straight to mini DVD and all this kind of junk. Yeah. It could be, it could be that it, it could be a cheap, a few hundred dollar yeah. camera. So that, that's right. part that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. That's yeah. great. So that was the going small and then going big was bringing, you know, a lot of cameras. Like right. On, and the Kauai trip I brought maybe like seven. <laughs> so. And that's just bodies, right? <laughs> just, yeah. And then I brought, yeah. Probably ten lenses, <laughs> and traveling with that is not fun. Let me ask you this: When you go on a, you know, on a job, on a job location, and you're, you know, and you're gonna go and, uh, you know, like this Kauai thing, you took, mm-hmm. you know, 
25 bodies, 100 lenses, this whole thing, you know, nine cases worth of equipment, all this kind of stuff. How much of it did you actually use? I actually used every single thing. Really? I did. I, I, Good there for a couple, you. Yeah. There were a couple little audio things that were small that I didn't necessarily wind up using. Like some, I brought some wire, wireless stuff. I brought some wireless stuff. And um, I didn't have to use it all. Um, because I just used the on-camera mics, but that was pretty small. Yeah, during this one shoot, which was sports-related, I, I I set up cameras all over. Wow. From different angles, and I even had GoPros mounted on the athletes and stuff like that. That's uh, that's quite impressive that you actually used every almost every bit of gear that there was. That's That's very nice. Yeah, it's just having more angles will really helps out when you're editing. Yeah. Um, you know what happened was I actually thought I lost one of them. Lost one of what? One of the cameras. <laughs> it was really bad. Did you have to take inventory at the end of the night every, after every shoot? I, well, I usually do, but this time I was really tired and I just, it was, you know, it, it was this sports arena and it, it, there wasn't really a lot to, I mean, it was pretty obvious where things were you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like things would be hiding anywhere. It was all kind of on the floor. Right. So I didn't really take an inventory at the end. I should, but I didn't. And then I, when I got to the hotel room, you know, cause I packed all my stuff and went back and I was going to shoot the next day. So, but I like to take all the stuff back and maybe leave some of the stuff there, but take the expensive stuff back. Right. And, um, and I just, I couldn't find this camera and I looked all over for it. And then I went back to the sports place and I couldn't find it. I looked all over for it. It was like, it disappeared. It's like, what happened? Did somebody walk up? And I, I don't, I didn't think anybody had stolen it because it was a pretty safe situation. There weren't a lot of strangers around. So I was really bummed. So, and then anyway, the next day uh, I went to the same location and I was talking to uh, one of the coaches there and I was facing like this fence that was um, behind the coach that I was talking to. And I just saw this camera on a tripod <laughs> there. My my camera and my tripod there since the night before. In the same position? Oh, yeah. It just it was there. It kind of blended into the background because the fence was dark and the camera and the tripod were dark. And uh, in fact, it was that Siri tripod that I... It was a small camera. It was a, it was a TM nine hundred, which is kind of black, and their tripod's black, and it just faded into the fence. So the whole time, even when I was went back to look at it, I never saw it. And and the reason I didn't see it was I wasn't I wasn't really looking for that. I wasn't looking for a tri, a, a camera mounted on a tripod. Right, you were just looking for a camera. I was looking for a little black, yeah, right, Coke can sized thing somewhere on the ground. I didn't. I wasn't looking up, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> And it was funny because I looked at the footage later and it's like, it's footage of us tearing down and the sun going down and <laughs> nighttime. And, well, I'm sure that it could actually be useful in your behind the scenes. <laughs> and then nighttime and then eventually the battery died. <laughs> so you actually got a unintended time lapse video. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but I was pretty happy about that. And the, and luckily this was an outdoor um, place and luckily it didn't rain. Because it rains, rains a lot in Kauai. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it's luckily, very tropical there. Yeah. So I was I just lucked out. So Good that for was kind of sad, but then happy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's almost like an added bonus. <laughs> yes. 
Very good. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Yeah, but it's a funny story. Well, I I, I think that's uh that that's exciting to to hear about the the new projects and some of our new stuff that we've gotten. Uh, anything else you want to share with us uh, on that front? On this particular project, um, I did something that I've done before, but I used um. So one of the things I recently got was a GoPro Hero Three Black edition. Okay. Okay. And uh, I just have to say that that camera is awesome. I don't know what you've heard about it. I have heard absolutely nothing. I mean, really? what, 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 what's the difference between the, you know, the hero, the, the, the old heroes and this new hero three black? Um, in my opinion, the difference is, well, there's a couple differences, but mainly it's the image quality. I mean, that's really what it's all about. Right. And, uh, the image quality on this little teeny little camera is really good. Really? It's actually a 4k camera. Really? Yeah, it's a 4K camera. You can't record up. You can't record normal frame rates at that. You can only go up to 15 frames per second, but you can still go like 2.5K at 30 frames per second. Mm. So it's actually higher than HD resolution at video frame rates. So so that part's good, and and that you know you could have resolution that's really high and it just look, looks bad, but it actually looks really good. Um, I used it once before on a shoot in the snow. And that, and I was amazed how well it worked in that situation. Uh, I strapped it onto a skier. Right. Well, in this case, I strapped it. I I actually did use it in a couple of ways. One is I strapped it on one of the players mm-hmm. uh, to get their point of view. I just I have this helmet kind of strap thing that goes over somebody's head. Right. Uh, and it's kind of elastic, and GoPro makes it, and and that was kind of an interesting point of view. Uh, but another thing I did, which was really helpful, is I I set up I set it up on what's called a pole cam. Okay. And have you ever heard of a pole cam? I have not. It's kind of what it is. It's a camera on top of a big pole. <laughs> okay. Very inventive name. <laughs> but the thing is, is that the pole, the pole is something you take with you. So you, so, um, while I was in, I have, a, I have some of these at home here in the Bay area, mm-hmm. but, uh, I didn't want to have to transport this really long pole to Kauai. So I just ordered one from Home Depot there. Oh, Okay. <laughs> nice. And it's 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 just a really really long painter pole. Is, is it telescoping? Is yeah. it or telescoping, shall we say? Yeah, so it's got 3 10 foot sections. Uh-huh. So it's pretty long. It is long. Even at, even collapsed it's still going to be guaranteed 10 feet. Yeah, it's like 8. Well, it might be 8 to 10 feet. No wonder collapsed. you didn't want to carry it with you. Yeah, I I would have to have had some special I'd have to pay a lot for special baggage. So right. It wasn't worth it. It would have been more expensive than just buying it there. Right. Uh, and then I have this attachment that, you know how that stand, there's that standard screw, screw thing, like the broomstick yep. kind of style screw. Yep. So there's a, there's an adapter that adapts that to a quarter inch, quarter 20, which is the standard camera mount. Mm-hmm. And I just screw that on the top and then I put the GoPro on its, and it has, and you can buy a tripod quarter 20 mount for the GoPro. Mm-hmm. So then I screwed that on the top and then just basically uh, tilted it up and then strapped it to the uh, the fence of this place, mm, and so I nice. had this really high bird's eye view of what was going on on the field. Uh, so it's almost like an aerial shot in some it's, ways. It's like an aerial shot. It's not quite as good as an aerial shot, but right. it's close. Right. And uh, and it 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 allowed me to capture the formations of the players. Right. And that worked really well. 
and uh and it was good because the GoPro is pretty light. So you can imagine this pole is, is pretty flexible once it starts getting extended up to 30 feet. Right. Uh, so you don't want to have something super, super heavy on the end or it's going to be pretty unmanageable and dangerous. Right. So uh, the fact that the GoPro is really small helped a lot. How, how is it anchored at the at ground level if it's extended up 30 feet? I, um, again, at Home Depot. <laughs> right. You, you, you bought an umbrella, a patio umbrella stand and you just stuck <laughs> it right in there. Uh, actually what I did was I got some conduit, uh, straps for mm-hmm. electrical conduit mm-hmm. for that size of, of the pole, like mm-hmm. an inch and a half or an inch and a quarter. And I made a little thing that attached it to the fence with wire ties and stuff okay. like that, cable ties. Okay. Um, and then I made a little thing where I could easily remove a little thing that could just unscrew. Cause some of those uh, conduit connectors have a way of unscrewing them. So they pop open. Uh, so I just got one of those type and so that I could pull the pole out when I needed to change the batteries or mm-hmm. batteries is an issue actually with that camera with the, the GoPro. Ba- yeah. The batteries don't last that long. How long? Um, maybe half an hour. That's it. Yeah. Well, they might last longer if you're not transmitting Wi-Fi. That's another thing that's really cool about this Go- GoPro. Oh. Um, remember in the past I just told you that the GoPro is like the height of, bad user interface <laughs> right 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 exactly and, and it still is the there isn't much control on the camera but it has a wi-fi capability on it. oh so so now you can control it via your your like device iPhone. your iphone yeah. so iPad. there's an iphone gopro app nice an ios gopro app and it's really cool because it actually gives you a view of what the gopro is seeing so you can use that as your monitor it's it's essentially a monitor there's a little bit of delay so it's not as useful as a real monitor, but you can get it framed, which is really important. Really one of the biggest issues with GoPros is how is it really looking? Right. Um, and so once it's framed, then, then, uh, actually it doesn't allow you to show, it doesn't show the preview while you're recording. I don't think the GoPro or the mechanism has enough like computing power to do everything, Mm -hmm. but it shows you before it's recording what's going on. Mm. And then, and then you just hit record and then it goes blank and then you could hit stop and it shows you again what's going on. So, and you can play stuff back too, which is pretty cool. You can play, I think you can play from the internal memory, what's going back. So what's going on and recorded. So that part makes the GoPro a lot more usable. That is, that that sounds awesome. I might have to take a look at that. Yeah. When, when we see each other next time, I'll, when we go out to lunch or something, I'll bring it along and show you. You can, you can change all the settings and, and, and you can actually change the frame rates and the the settings, the width and the angle white angle versus narrow and stuff like that. So a lot more uh uh user accessible features on this rather than the previous versions of the GoPros. It's just so much more useful and the image quality is so much better. Mm-hmm. I, I really did not like the previous GoPro, even the GoPro 2 which was better than the one. Right. They just the the image quality was bad in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean it's okay for like sports and YouTube and stuff, but it's not a cinematographer's camera. But this, this one, one is. You could actually cut stuff from this one into other better cameras. Nice. Which is kind of amazing for a three to four hundred dollar camera. Yeah. Well, that's great. That has so much versatility and like being underwater and and being so small. Yeah, can those GoPros go underwater? Oh, with the yeah, housing, the, right? Yeah, the, the housing, which though. is kind of part of. In a way, it's just sold with it. It's not something really extra. It always comes with an underwater housing. Okay. Um, and, and, and the housing is better designed now. It's actually got a flat, 
So one of the problems with the previous GoPro is had this curved, uh, kind of going around the lens, it was curved, mm-hmm. all the housing was. Mm-hmm. And that actually, when you have a curved surface underwater, it actually has some strange properties like magnification. So mm-hmm. things don't look very good. Right. That natural. Well, the new case is a flat um, plate on the on the underwater underwater housing. And so that makes things much more natural. It's oh, like, so, so it doesn't give you that kind of like fisheye kind of feel? Yeah, it doesn't give you that magnified... I think yeah. it was mostly magnification that or was magnification, happening. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There were actually were third-party case manufacturers that made flat uh, lens cover housings for the underwater uh, case, but now they're all out of business because <laughs> GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> they came up with their own. They come up with their own. It's right. better and cheaper. So um, yeah, so I I guess I I guess I recommend that camera because it's kind of amazing. It does. Um, it also does high frame rates. Mm-hmm. So even at HD, it, I think it goes up to 100 frames per second or something, something really high. So there's just a lot of features to it. It has time lapse. So if you want to just set up a 4K. So the thing is, you can have a 4K time lapse. It, it doesn't go to the 30 frames per second, but it goes up to 15. Right. You could actually set it to be lower than that and have a nice, very high resolution time lapse. So there's just a lot of, a lot of reasons why it's a pretty good pretty good deal it's it's the first one that's actually in my opinion professional well uh, what's the cost on that i think it's i think i got mine for 399 you might be able to get it less Mm -hmm. but that comes with a lot of stuff that comes with the wi-fi a few connectors uh it comes with this remote control for it to turn it on and off which i don't think i use because i use the iphone but if you don't have that you can use this remote um kind of like a small remote control for it so I think it's pretty worth it. Pretty good buy. Cool. Cool. And uh you. and one of the reasons I got it uh was was for potentially to attach to my DJI Phantom quadcopter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we might have to talk about that at another segment. <laughs> we'll talk about that in that, some other segment. Uh <laughs> Well, I, you know, I mean, admittedly, I think the, the that uh, uh, that's what GoPros are supposed to uh, uh, be uh, taken advantage of for that reason, right? To put them on RC devices uh, uh, or hot air balloons or whatever it is, and uh, yeah, they're they're so light, right? That their lightness lends themselves to right. that type of use. Well, it's good that you'll be employing uh, 13-year-old kids to uh, fly these things for you. Oh, yeah, because I'm not going to get near one of those those spinning <laughs> blades. I'm Especially be, when you're I'm losing be, control of it. Yeah, I'm going to be like the, you know, the Mythbusters when they hide behind that big glass shack when they well, blow something up. We'll, 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 we'll build you an old Viking uh, shield of some sort. <laughs> you can hide behind well, that's great. That's good. Well, boy, we've talked a lot about a, a, a few things. What we, we we've got we've got backpacks, we've got tripods, we've got a couple of cameras that we've talked about, and uh, you know we're gonna have uh, show notes and links uh, on the website, so you can uh, go and look for yourselves, folks, about uh, everything that we've talked about here. Uh, we got all kinds of neat stuff to, that uh, we recommend taking with you for travel wouldn't you say yes 
Definitely. Okay. Hey, that was. I I think that's a that's a good one. So uh, uh, go look at the uh, the website and uh, check out all the neat stuff that we uh, just purchased. And uh, we will come back with another segment right here on Tech Move. Ladies and gentlemen, we come back to our exciting conclusion of the newer tech power to you dual socket USB wall outlet that Keith has been trying to install. Does he survive? Does he get it in the wall? Can we even use the thing? Tune in now for our exciting conclusion. Movies where is it the is it the yellow wire? Is it the blue wire? Well, is it the yellow? Is it the blue? Which one should I cut? And, and, and like I was just thinking, this is very much like old school, uh, that board game operation where you're not trying to touch the sides to get the funny bone. It's exactly like operation. R- exactly. Here you go. Ladies and gentlemen, stand by. You could hear the frying of a human being right now. Here we go. Okay. So I'm just carefully with my insulated pliers. I'm glad I'm not near you. <laughs> I really am. I, I mean, I, I'm i in the safety net of my own studio right here, and um, I, I don't want to see this. I don't want to be near it. I'm just carefully putting this on, and I'm... Okay, I, t- I touched it to the... Oh, oh darn, the screw came out. I guess I loosened the screw from the, from the new attract device a little too much, and it fell out on the floor, so I, I'm going to have to find that. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the anticipation is just so great right now because we're really teetering between life and death right now, right here on Tech Move. You see, this is the type of podcast that we want to create for all of you. So thank you again for listening. This is very exciting right now. Uh, you're, 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 you're listening to history right now. Can get the screw back in. <laughs> it's almost like a grenade in the pin. Just gonna have to hold this for this black wire forever. <laughs> you know what? I gotta wash my hands right now. <laughs> Gee whiz! I shouldn't be laughing. This is really serious stuff. Well, see, I can laugh because I'm over in a different studio, so that's fine with me. Oh, I was using the wrong screw. Nice work. Using the screw from the old outlet. <laughs> okay, I found the I found the one from the newer tech outlet. Huh. <sighs> Oh, it, is that screw provided? Oh, yeah, they're part. Of, they're actually screwed in and part of the, part of the device. Okay, so so they provide all those parts for us and everything like that. Yeah, great. Yeah, you just have to make sure you don't lose them. Great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like you have. Correct. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Now I'm back to trying to make sure that I fasten the black wire. I'm I'm touching the black wire. I've got it around the. And I've got it. It's not going in. It's because my. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to use my pliers on this live wire and just bend it a little bit. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> Remember, our disclaimer is, ladies and gentlemen, do not do this at home. Be very careful. In all seriousness, turn off the power. Go to the breaker box. Shut everything down. Do it the right way. This is this is absolutely ridiculous. But you know. Okay. I managed to bend the wire with my insulated pliers, so I'm okay. Good. Um, now, 
I'm now trying to get this thing to fit onto the newer tech device. I'm getting, getting it in there and it's a little tough. That, and then, well, you know, aren't those wires very stiff? So it's kind of hard to manipulate. You know, in older houses, they're stiffer. Right. The, cop- the copper was thicker. Yes. Or something. Correct. So my house isn't that new. Okay. Okay. So I, I've pretty much gotten it in. I'm just going to try it this way. Okay. So now I'm going to, with my insulated screwdriver, I'm just going to screw this in and get it tight. Batteries ran out. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to switch to my other screwdriver. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this is live recording right here. Where you you won't be listening to us live, but this is live recording. We're just hitting the record button and letting it go. So you're hearing all the great stuff that's going on right now here on Tech Move. Okay. You know what's so funny is that I can imagine Keith, you must be a sweaty mess just on working on a little outlet like this. It's normally pretty warm in this room. Right. It's really warm now. Right. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to get... I'm actually having to use my really powerful screwdriver. Oh, my. I, I, I hope I don't... Try not do to something. damage the... Try not to damage the plate. I'll try not to damage it. Right. Okay. Here we go. I got that in. I was using my Makita 14-volt screwdriver. Very good. Nice unit. Very good. For something okay, that so could I, have been that for something that could have been just done with a hand screwdriver, correct? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Quite easily. Very good. Okay, so you got it in. Where are we at right now? I think we're at the point where I think we're actually safe. I mean, okay. the only other possibility is that maybe when I'm pushing this into the wall, I could actually touch it against the sides uh, of my metal box, and then that that would electrocute me. Right. But if I'm really careful and I put when I push it back into the wall, it might be okay. Um, now I do need to clear. I just noticed a little bit of piece of drywall hanging from my last thing. I'm just going to need to clear that off. <laughs> <laughs> I think I hit a little metal in there. I'm and, not sure what And for is. our next segment, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be doing load-bearing members. Okay. I got th- whatever that was. I got it out of there. Very good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like dropped in behind the wall. And I don't know. It could be like a nail or something. Right. I, I don't think it's like electrical. I hope not. <laughs> okay. So I now I'm going to push this back in. So I'm going to push this back in the wall. I'm being very careful not to hit the hit the hot side against the. Okay, so I got it in to the wall. I, I think we're safe, and I'm going to screw in <clears throat> the plate, the 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 screws that are actually attached to the newer tech device, which actually gonna... which actually screws it essentially to the wall. Correct. So it's nice and neat and nice and neat nice. and stable. Good. So I'm doing that right now. Okay. Okay, did one, do the other. Okay, it's in there. Great. Well, now that it's in, uh, I think the piece de resistance will be the, uh, when you plug that baby in and 
Let's try a couple things, shall we? Okay, so um, now I'm just going to measure the actual voltage where I think it should be uh, in the outlet. So I'm taking my voltmeter. And there should be a positive voltage between neutral and hot, and I'm and also uh, hot and ground. So I'm going to test hot and ground first by taking the black lead of my multimeter and putting it on ground and taking the red lead and putting it on the hot, which is the narrow slot. And I get 122.1 volts. Nice, 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 nice. Very good. And if I put the same thing on the neutral, I get a very minuscule 0.2 volts. So very low voltage there. So I think we're good. Good. Well, so I, the, I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, I, I, I wasn't really too worried about the electrical part of it, but I am very interested in the USB port that's there. Oh, right. I'm not sure if I can measure that with a meter. I think I'm going to have to just... No, just plug it. something in. Just see, okay. if, see, see if it, uh, you know, like a, like an iPod or something like that. If I'm you just going to plug my iPhone 4S into it. That's fine. And see if it lights up. Okay, here we go. Eagerly awaiting, ladies and gentlemen, the results of the USB port. Okay, so I've got my um, my dock connector that has the USB end to it. And I've got it plugged into my iPhone 4S, which is my brand new, relatively new iPhone. And I'm looking at my iPhone. It's just got the battery indicator. There's no charging indicator. And I'm going to plug it into the one of the ports. Wish me luck. Good luck. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It's like ketchup. The anticipation is incredible here in the room. All right, so I'm just going to plug it into the USB outlet on the newer tech device, and I'm going to plug in my iPhone 4S, and let's see what happens. Okay, we're waiting with the bated breath here. Let's see what happens. Plug in the dock connector on the iPhone 4S. Ooh. Ooh. I think that could be music to my ears. Does that mean that uh, we are working? We are working. Excellent. So, uh, so we got power. We have power to those USB ports. Uh, it, 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 it's nice and black. It's fantastic. You did a little drywall work uh, <laughs> in, in the house. Uh, pretty soon, right after this, we're going to do a little transmission work on your car. <laughs> But other than that, I, I, uh, you know, I, to me, it sounds like a very nice unit. I mean, all, all kidding aside, it sounds like it's a very nice unit. It's great. And the thing is, is that, you know, if, when you're in somebody's house and you need to have some power and you don't happen to have one of those little little uh, power bricks from Apple. Right. You can just plug this into the wall. It's, and you could plug any any USB powered. There's so much stuff that's powered by USB. It's not just iPhones and Apple stuff. It's oh, yeah. All kinds of stuff is powered by USB. Anything. Microphones and and uh, all kinds of uh, cell phones and all kinds of... Uh, or how about like people like me who, do not ha who does not have an Apple cell phone? I actually just have a, a, a different type of cell phone. So, But I can plug it in USB style. Wait, you don't have an iPhone? No, I do not. I do not. Really? Nope. Really? Nope, I do not. 
So how, um, how long have you been hiding this? I've been I, I, actually I've been championing championing <laughs> it for quite a while, but uh, no. But you I, do have an iPad. You could plug your iPad. Into I, it. I can plug my iPad into it. But no, I mean, like what I'm saying is that you know I have an LG, I have an LG cell phone, and it's uh, and I could plug that USB. It, it'll go. It'll go in this thing. It'll be fine to charge up. Yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll so be perfect. So it's really versatile. Great. So I'm and I'm glad that I made it. You know, I made it made it through. I I am too. I'm actually uh, because I don't think I could carry on this podcast by myself. So, <laughs> well, Keith, that was certainly exciting, and you know, you look no worse for wear with your own self imposed hair permanent you gave yourself. It's great. You know, I never used to have curly hair, and now right. I do. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm glad you're able to live and speak about the uh, the whole thing, but uh, I I think it turned out for the best. It's a great product, isn't it? It's great. I love it on my wall. It's this nice uh, powered outlet. I just plug all my USB devices into them and charge them, and and uh, it's and great. I think the thing looks really good too. It's very very very. It's a handsome item. Handsome. It is very yeah, handsome. No, it's very good. Okay. Well, look. Hey, you know, be, be uh, folks, we just decided that we're going to make the contest a little bit easier for you guys to win uh, some of our prizes that we have. Uh, our first contest, we, you know, we, we were short of just uh, having you guys give blood to us. So uh, we're going to make it slightly easier. And what we are going to do is that we are going to post all of our contest rules and instructions on our webpage, which is, of course, techmovepodcast.com. You will uh, go ahead and uh, and find that page. Are we going to make a, a separate page for our contest rules on that, Keith? Or Yeah, we're going to make a, a separate page for that this actual contest. Okay. The, way, the way it works on the page is uh, there's a main page with all of our blog entries, and uh, it's kind of a chronological order based on the episode. And in the episode... There's links to other pages on that website, and and like for the last contest, there was a link to a page just for that contest. There's going to be another one for this contest. Great, and we'll we'll have uh, we'll have uh, more clear cut uh, instructions on how you can be the lucky recipient of this newer tech power to you dual socket USB wall outlet. And again, you'll find that on Tech Move Podcast. Com. Sound good, Keith? Sounds great. I just want to give a just a little bit of heads up about what might be involved. It involves the listener. It involves Facebook on the OWC site as well as on the Tech Move podcast site, and it involves liking <laughs> those three. Those three things. We do like likings. We like our likings. And and uh, <laughs> before we close out this segment, again, much much thanks to our friends over at Otherworld Computing. Uh, for their generosity and their great sponsorship uh, with us here at uh, Tech Move. So we thank them very much for all their support. Okay, we'll be right back with more here on Tech Move. Keith, you know, I have some great news for you that we actually have a winner of our first Tech Move contest. Uh, 
Keith, if you remember, we were giving away a fantastic product called the Newer Tech New Guard Grip Stand 2. And uh, it was a, it also came with a grip base bundle, and it was provided by our terrific sponsors over at Otherworld Computing. And uh, we have a winner. We have a winner. No, no. no I, I, it's hard to believe. I think we've been going on with this contest for the better part of the, the last century, <laughs> but we actually have a winner. And I'm proud to announce that our winner is, uh, and for security reasons, we won't give a last name, but Todd B. Todd B. is our winner of the newer Tech New Guard Grip Stand 2 from Otherworld Computing. Congratulations to you, Todd. And if we uh, could, we would have had you live on our airwaves to uh, interview you to t- to see how how you felt about winning this fantastic prize. But uh, since we can't do that just yet, we're just going to have to say congratulations to you. Thank you so much for everyone who entered the contest. Keith, in your opinion, how how, how uh, did it go as far as like? seeing what everyone had to do in order to win this contest. <laughs> was that funny or what? It was pretty funny. We, uh, I guess we might have expected a little bit too much. But, Why? Uh, I mean, a firstborn child is uh, <laughs> hardly anything at all. But Todd, Todd stuck it out, and he jumped through all the hoops properly. Frankly, I think Todd must be a PhD, because in order to follow his instructions, I mean, he, he, he's got to know something. So, Todd, right on, buddy. I mean, you're, uh, uh, you're a lot brighter than I am, because uh, I'm, part, I'm running the contest, and I still don't understand what we had to do. So, Neither do I. So, Todd, <laughs> you're awesome. That's fantastic. Todd B. is our winner of the new, newer Tech New Guard Grip Stand 2 and Grip Base Bundle. And again, our thanks to our friends over at Otherworld Computing. Uh, go check them out on the website, and uh, you know, let them know that you uh, that you listen to Tech Move, and uh, they they won't give you a thing, but at least we'll appreciate it. So, <laughs> thank you to everyone for participating, and uh, stay tuned for our next contest. And uh, Keith, thank you very much for uh, doing that administrative work for us. I, I know it's tough to do those check marks next to everyone. Everything well, I, had to, to be I actually fulfilled. had to. Re- I had to refer to the Da Vinci Code to create the <laughs> contest rules. I'm glad you had your secret decoder ring to uh, decipher that uh, those codes. But uh, thank you very much. Okay, uh, Todd, congratulations, OWC. Thank you so much for providing. Keith, we'll be right back with another segment right here on Tech Move. Keith, I think that is going to do it for us for another terrific episode here at Tech Move. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to close out the show with, Keith? Yeah, I actually just uh, about a couple of days ago, I actually just actually listened all the way through episode five. Oh, I which, did too. <laughs> which we just came out with, you know, months after it actually was recorded. I think we recorded it back in 1865. <laughs> Something like it was that. like the Civil War ended, yes. and then we recorded that episode. That's correct. Um, but uh, I just listened to it, and and uh, I apologize for some of the uh, the bad quality assurance in that episode. I think there was a section on how to record great audio, and 
right in the middle, my audio dropped out. <laughs> for no, you know, it's just some po- post production mixing thing where I put the fader down by mistake, I think. Uh, so that was pretty funny. Like you were talking, you can hear what I was saying, which is pretty funny. Um, there were a couple times when the music just popped in out of nowhere. <laughs> so to the audience, I really apologize for that. We put together, I think, four or five hours of, of Tech Move podcasts within a week. And that's a lot. That's a lot of post-production. So there well, wasn't a lot of extra listening back to really what was being done <laughs> before I, it was put out on the internet. You, you know, I, I know what you're saying because, uh, you know, once we do so many of these recordings, it's tough to go back to listen to the whole segment over again, especially with our droning on and on <laughs> and on. I mean, you're exactly and, correct. And when you think about it, our episodes are at least an hour long now. Sometimes they're up to two hours long. Aren't you lucky there, listeners? <laughs> You're so lucky. I think we go for volume rather than than uh, content. Right. And we make we make up for the lack of content with volume. <laughs> That's right. It's kind of like it's kind of like free internet. Like my own services. thinking. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll sell it for free, but we'll make it up in volume. <laughs> Well, you know, it it was funny because especially on one of the parts where we were talking about how proud we are about our recording techniques because we were talking about some uh, one of our fine listeners and subscribers and how the the compliment was on our uh, on our recording techniques. And then there's like this drop out and all this kind of stuff. I yeah. loved it. I thought it was great. Ronnie's talking to himself. <laughs> I do eventually come back in. The only thing we needed was like a locomotive coming through uh, the the studio here. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. Well, uh, so folks, uh, look, even the best have their off days, huh? <laughs> Keith, would you say that? Even their best. But hopefully. <laughs> and sometimes we do, too. Right. So. <laughs> Unbelievably, we do, too. Well, thank you very much. Thank, th- th- thanks for uh, uh, pointing that out. And uh, folks, we, we apologize. But uh, believe you me, you are getting the best we can uh, we can try to put out there for you. Uh, OK, well, l- look, let's sign off. Let's wrap this thing up. You have been listening to Tech Move and you can find us on the Web at techmovepodcast.com. Plus, you can always, and we really appreciate it, find us on iTunes and you can subscribe to us there. Keith, why don't you tell our fine listeners where else they can find us? If you go to uh, iTunes and just do a search for Tech Move, our podcast will come up and then you can either listen to episodes or you can click the subscribe button and just become a subscriber in iTunes. You can find us on facebook.com slash techmovepodcast. And we have a lot of up-to-date information. That's probably the most active way of finding out about TechMove. It's updated more frequently than any of the other places. Yeah. The website is good because it has show notes. So if you want to go back and refer to something that was that was talked about but don't quite remember it, you know, you weren't taking copious notes during the show, you can go back to that page and and there's links usually to the things we talked about. Yeah, so. which is really great because we we kind of all consolidate it there. You can press on stuff, read it for yourself and take a look at things. Yep. And then if you want to, and this is, and this has actually worked out okay for us so far. Um, you can actually buy something through our page on Amazon we list a lot of different things there, but if you don't want to spend $8,000 for the FS 700 <laughs> or whatever we talk about, at least not episode, yet, maybe at least not yet. Although that would be nice. It would be nice. You could just click on that link and then you can actually navigate throughout Amazon and buy anything you want. Um, it can just be groceries or something simple, or it could be just another purchase that we don't 
happen to list on our page, but if you do buy it during that session, we actually get a kickback. We get a commission on that. So that actually helps support the show. Hey, what's our email address again? I keep forgetting what it is. It's it's info at techmovepodcast.com. Excellent. Excellent. So yeah, so hit us up there, email the Facebook page, our website, which is again, techmovepodcast.com. And uh, we will wrap this thing up, Keith. Another terrific episode. Thank you very much for your participation. Thank you, Rod, for your participation as well. (laughs) Thank you very much. And folks, uh, stay tuned because we will have another episode right around the corner. The way we're spitting these things out, uh, this could uh, eclipse the 100 episode mark within no time. But uh, I, th- I think at this rate, we're going to be coming out with about five episodes within one week. <laughs> if we go at this rate, we're going to be at our 100th episode July 19th, I think. Right. So. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to go have a little tea with honey right now. So uh, anyway, okay, folks, thanks a lot for tuning in. You've been listening to Tech Move, and we'll see you later. Bye-bye now. <laughs>